Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Wide Men Can Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network, located at blogtalkradio.com slash widemencantjump. We're brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New, wowfreecam.com, and facebook.com slash makeupkennedy. You can check us out anywhere and everywhere you find podcasts. Now, for the hosts of your flagship program, here's Tom Robinson and Nate Bush. This episode of Wide Men Can't Jump is also brought to you by your friends at Enclosed. Guys, this holiday season, how about giving your wife or girlfriend something totally different, something romantic for you and for her that celebrates your unique connection? I'm talking about a luxury gift service called Enclosed. It delivers designer lingerie to your lady month after month. Enclosed is like flower of the month or beer of the month, but instead of flowers, she gets surprised with ultra high-end lingerie. This is seriously high-end stuff, the kind of quality that you really have to impress your lady. Enclosed was designed specifically to help you guys find gifts for your wives. Enclosed is all about helping you make her happy, and Enclosed is effortless for you. Every month, Enclosed sends your wife or girlfriend a custom-curated lingerie gift set selected, especially in her size. And they back up to give with a 100% size guarantee, so you never have to worry about the fit. You can join more than 30,000 couples that love Enclosed, and you'll get a little gift right now. $25 off your Enclosed gift. Just go to enclosed.theenclosed.com and enter the code WIDE at checkout and get $25 off your Enclosed gift. Why not give your wife something that really reflects and deepens the connection between the two of you? Something that you would never give your mother, that's enclosed.theenclosed.com with code WIDE for $25 off the best gift ever. It is Wide Men Can't Jump. It is episode 53, and joining me as always is my esteemed co-host, Mr. Tom Robinson, TR Shock. What's up, my man? Yippee-ki-yay, mother... No, I won't say it, but the man you hate... The man you hate... (laughs) is the man I love, and I'll profess you my male-to-male non-sexual attraction to one Jimmy Butler, who hit his first three shots. I, I, I'm on location in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania. Uh, didn't get to see them, but I've been listening to the great Tom McGinnis describe the action. And uh, Although they're put, hanging tough with Orlando, it seems like a, a good little match there with uh, Embiid, uh, JJ, and... Joel and little sissy Simmons ain't doing much, but uh, maybe he'll grow into a man with a real man next to him by the name of Jimmy Butler. But go ahead, Nate. That's what that's what you think. That's what you think. You get lured into this false sense of security. You get this great talent, and he comes in, and everybody's happy, and you're all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and like, yeah, we got a guy now here going to lead us. And then what he's going to do is he's going to be a pure asshole to all your young talent. He won't get along with Fultz or Simmons at all, but we'll get into that here in a little bit. I know. <laughs> I know you like that. So you like that. I understand that. Yeah. But uh, we're going to dive into that here in a little bit. But big thanks to everyone who downloaded our one-year anniversary episode last week. That was a big show for us. Uh, marked a year. And on the tail end of that, uh, everyone's saying great things about it. So thanks, everyone, for listening to last week's episode, Tim. TR and myself had a blast with Karen and 
Chris Gamuffa and you know all the people that jumped on Dave DeFore. So thanks, thanks guys so much. We really do appreciate it. So, but we're back. It's another week and more hoops. So we'll go ahead, uh, TR, and talk about it. We've already mentioned it a little bit here. The trade that uh, it, it's almost like they couldn't have scripted it any better. Me and you, the Minnesota T Wolves Seventy Sixers, make the big trade to get Jimmy Butler into Philadelphia. I'll go ahead and let you start, my man. Well, the the question you got to ask if you're a listener or aware, uh, if you're in one of the 40-plus countries that wide men can't jump airs, does the NBA have a beat on Nate Bush and Tom Robinson's world, the Sixers and T-Wolves? What random two way. teams – Random two teams uh, out of nowhere that started a podcast together over a year ago. Now all of a sudden are the center of the basketball universe. And uh, my opinion, uh, you know, I'm happy. Um, I could see why you were unhappy, and I'll probably hear a lot more when you talk to uh, some Minnesota people later. But um, from a Philadelphia standpoint, considering the Eagles are – not playing, having the quote-unquote Super Bowl hangover and the Sixers are the biggest game in town. Robert Covington, if you heard any of these episodes, uh, a great defender, uh, probably a nice guy, but dumb as a box of rocks. I was ecstatic to hear he was gone. I was just hoping it was Fultz and Covington. Um, Dario Saric, you'll find, in my opinion, will fit in there quite well. Uh, a nice player who just didn't fit here. Whenever Embiid was out, you'd see he'd score 26, and TJ would find him down low. Whenever he played the five, he was good. And he has a similar skill set to Ben Simmons as well, but not quite as quick and not quite as good as what Ben Simmons does. So he mirrored the two best players, and then he had to find his own way in the middle somehow. And uh, he won't have to do that in Minnesota. So I don't know about Coach Thibodeau, your favorite person, how he'll use him. But Dario's a star. You, you'll be happy with Dario. And if they can force that goofy Covington to just play defense and shut his mouth and just stop looking stupid, he'll shut some guys down because he can play defense. Um, I think they threw in Jared Bayless, but that was just because everybody wanted to get rid of that hot potato. Um can add some shooting once in a while when he's healthy, but he's never healthy. So, and we got Justin Patton on the other end, but obviously the big, the big deals, Jimmy Butler, uh, always a top 15 player an all NBA player, despite burning two towns, depending on, uh, no pun intended with Carl Anthony, but depending on who you're listening to, <laughs> uh, he burned two towns in Chicago and Minnesota with his, uh, for lack of a better word, intensity. Um, I think this is the city and this is the team specifically. It's so passive-aggressive with Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz. Uh, I think his intensity will be welcome here. Like you warned me, uh, you thought that going in with Wiggins and Towns and how that could work, and it did work to a degree because he got them to the playoffs. Uh, However, he demanded a trade. Tonight they're showcasing Furkan Korkmaz and Markel Fultz a lot. They threw them in with Butler. They threw them in already. Kept them in at the end of the first quarter, going into the second quarter, second period, whatever you want to call it. Um, I call it quarter. It's not hockey. Anyhow, um, 
but Butler hit his first three shots, <laughs> and and Bead uh, seems to play well with him from what I'm gathering. Ben is just kind of ominously silent. Um, I haven't heard many Ben highlights, but, you know, that's his personality. Ben is probably coming in his jeans because he hates to shoot. Now he's got two scorers and a shooter with Reddick, you know, started tonight, but coming off the bench, hopefully, if they got a brain to them because he's going to wear out by the playoffs, in my opinion. But, you know, I, I don't really have much to add. This will tell you if Brett Brown's a good coach or not. And it will also tell you, I mean, three times the charm. You fool me once, fool me twice, you know, shame on you, shame on me. But I'm giving it the third time. If Jimmy Butler causes problems, and if it's not connected with Ben Simmons and Mark L. Fultz, who need to have problems, I'm good. Um, and it was just they were the assholes. If if Butler causes a complete blow up here, then he's the asshole and we're wrong. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go all in to borrow a phrase from Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks with Jimmy Butler and the 76ers. <laughs> well, and you, sir. I was there I was there last season. I was all in on, on Jimmy Butler. I've just seen the way it's went here in the past with him. Now, let's not, let's not ever take away from the fact that Jimmy Butler is a great player, absolute stud when it comes to playing the game. Um... Uh, but he's not exactly what you would call the nicest guy on the team, and he's and, and I know that this is this is going to sound really silly, and I and I think Minnesota needed a little bit of that. The only issue we were running into in Minnesota was Jimmy Butler was not helping the situation. There's tough love, which is a, a thing, and you, and you got a lot of fire under somebody's ass. But the way he was going about it was he eventually was at the point of trying to embarrass the team. Uh, he was doing publicity stunts, trying to get run out, uh, demanding a trade. When he knew all along he wanted gone, he could have requested a trade before the draft. We could have got some really good draft picks out of this. Um, but, no, Butler waits until a couple weeks before the season, uses the timing there, um, and does what he does. That's all. I mean, luckily he's gone. I'm I'm thrilled that he's gone now and you know let i would burn this let, go ahead let go me ahead. interrupt real quick did you did you hear any of his press conference welcome to philadelphia kind of deal no i i didn't i didn't i didn't really want to, to hear him speak <laughs> well this 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 will make you a little more pissed off he he, he referred to himself as an excellent person I've oh, never heard anyone. I've never heard anyone talk about themselves and call themselves an excellent person. So that made me a little leery. If you have to say it about yourself, then uh, one wonders. But he did lend his private plane to you know Tyus Jones and what have you. So anyway, continue. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. I think Butler's the kind of guy that if you kiss his ass, I think he'll be your best buddy. Like if you bow down to the greatness that is Jimmy Butler, I think you know why not. He'll Butler wants to be the best player on a team. That's that's his goal. And he had that in Minnesota. The only problem in Minnesota was he felt and, – and there was a major lack of defense in Minnesota. He was right. I'm not saying everything Butler didn't say was right, but he went about it just the complete wrong way. Uh, yeah. the, and of course, Tom Thibodeau, he's on my list. So, if that tells you anything on there. And I talked to Dave Benz about that, and we'll get to that a little later, my talk with him about the Wolves and what happened and – uh, talk about the Nets game last night. Actually, Covington's starting tonight for the Wolves. So, Robert Covington gets the start 
for the Wolves tonight. Um, I do the trade. I was I was ecstatic about the trade, truthfully, and and not for what we got. I thought we kind of shortchanged ourselves a, a little bit, but you you make do with what you got. Um, I was hoping there'd be a first round pick in there somewhere. Uh, maybe that Miami twenty twenty one pick, but there was not. Um, so I was a little upset by that. I'm glad we got rid of Patton. Uh, his contract, dude's never played a game. He's been in the league a year and a half now, and, and I know Philly Philly faithful love that. So you'll love Justin Patton. Yeah. Trust me. When when he debuts in three years, you'll love him. Um, yeah, he fits right in. Yeah. <laughs> but Butler, just he's just such an arrogant ass, and I know he's a good player, but he's getting closer to thirty. His knees are starting to wear down. And this guy is out there calling out these younger players who haven't even hit their prime yet, and he's taking shots away from them. He's taking possessions away from them. And this guy is just an arrogant prick. And he (laughs) quit. He quit on the team. He quit on the team during the road trip. The road trip, they go 0-5 on the road trip, um, which prompted this trade. Sarich... Um, I would. I saw Sarge crying. Uh, I would cry too if I had to play for Tom Thibodeau. So I understand. Uh, I get that. I get the tears. Um, and there's no butt up dumb there, because his knees are going to see more minutes than he ever thought about now with with Tibbs. But yeah, and he plays get... all he plays all year round too, and that's that's an issue. Yeah, we we yeah. had with him. But yeah, so you're going to run into that. But the trade, I know you're happy with Butler. I'll tell you this, just be prepared. <laughs> That's all I'll tell you. Be prepared for what could possibly happen because Jimmy Butler is not exactly the kind of guy who's going to come out there and, you know, hey, here's what you did wrong. Let me show you. Let me coach you. No, Jimmy Butler's like, get your shit in gear and let's do this. He's not helpful. He's an arrogant ass. He can't lead a team. He's not a leader. Joel Embiid's got to be that leader. As crazy as that sounds, and and Ben and Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid are going to get along famously. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, Joel Embiid and Jimmy Butler, both huge soccer fans, so they're going to get along. They're, they're probably going to be close. Those two guys. I think uh, that uh, but, judging judging from early on, I mean it's so premature, but it seems like JJ Redick uh, is. Just from what I'm, I'm hearing on the radio broadcast is kind of, uh, kind of like, yo, what's up, old OG? Uh, it seems like they've they've kind of got a thing, too. So it's the one thing that I think I think it was one of your guys that we were talking to that you booked, or maybe somewhere else I heard it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Butler was drafted number thirty, and yeah, worked his ass off. And the thing that probably is always under his skin is guys like Wiggins and Towns, but we've got two of those as well. And their name's Fultz and Simmons. And, you know, I'm tired of these hollow numbers by Simmons. And I called them hollow because you saw him score one point last year. And I can't tell you how many times I've screamed at my television when the guy who's a trans transgender player, I I'm not saying fucking <laughs> – I'm not calling him a whatever player, trans fucking whatever they call him. Uh, generational. Generational. Fuck. He ain't no generational nothing, and he's not going to develop into nothing because he openly said he's not going to shoot. That's not his game. 
And he's he's had if there's a stat for shot clock violations being involved in, uh, his hand's not necessarily on the ball, but he'll just he'll be three feet away from the basket and turn his body around and look to get rid of it, and the, and the shot clock will go off. So if Butler famously gets along with Embiid and they can get up in, in, in Simmons' ass and make him be what he can be, um, I like that. But it could go south, like you said. But it, it makes it, it really makes for a good show for us because we got something to talk about yeah. for weeks now. Oh yeah, we'll be talking about this for a while. Uh, halftime, uh, Sixers trail the Magic fifty three fifty two at the half. Embiid with sixteen and eight and a block already, um, and Embiid shooting fifty percent from the field. Butler sixty percent from the field, eight points. Ben Simmons has shot one shot, ladies and gentlemen. He is one of two with three points, three assists, minus six, and the plus minus is Mr. Simmons tonight so far. There you go. Uh, uh, you know what's funny? Uh, Orlando, Orlando I, I, I know he's done something too. Hold on real quick, though, um, before I forget. Uh, you know, Jonathan Simmons plays for Orlando. And yeah. I heard, I heard I, I'm actually, you know, working my second job. Um, that's what brought me all, all the way up here. But, yeah. Um, the the commentator says, and a step back three from Simmons. And I went, what? And, of course, it was Jonathan and not Ben. So, anyhow. <laughs> well, uh, Markel Fultz has four points. So, he's actually outscoring Ben Simmons at the moment with less minutes. And his plus right. minus is minus two. So, currently, Fultz has the better game. He's more yeah. points. And he's smaller in the plus minus. So, uh, can can we just stop the program for just a second here and talk about Markel Fultz's free throw the other day? Holy shit! Did you see that? Well, I mean, there was one that was the total worst, but there was like the, the other clutch. two weren't like much the, better. Well, the double clutch that he did, like he went to release it and then stopped, brought it back, and then released again. That was. I'm sorry, man. That was sad. That That is a kid who just doesn't know anymore. He he is so lost, and he's inside his own head. He has lost his mind, and he doesn't know what to do. <laughs> you know, you know. I, I said Indiana was going to be the number one seed, and I'll, I'll, I'll maintain that they're going to, you know, go on a 10, 15-game win streak at some point when they get it together. I'll own that. That's about the only thing that I've been off on uh, collectively between the both of us in our predictions this year. Um, however, I got to beat my chest and stand up high on the mountaintop because I was argued with by everyone. You remember the private group before this show? Oh, I, I remember. That piece of shit faults. I kept, I put one status, fuck faults, fuck faults, fuck faults, fuck faults, until I got tired of writing it. And we had, you know, knowledgeable friends of ours. I'm not going to mention names, Scott Roberts, um, et cetera. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I, I love Scott. I'm just messing with you, Scott. But you were wrong about faults, as was John uh, John McAdam, as was so many of my friends, your friends. Um, hey, just listen I agree to me. With you. I was when you I'm have sorry. a degenerate gambler that watches West Coast games and sees a player that you're saying is better than all these other players. You're smoking crack because you saw a highlight reel. I knew the guy. I didn't know he was this fucked up, but I knew he was a second-round talent. Um, I had him at, like, 14 or something in my draft board, 
Uh, I constantly said, don't take him, please. No, anybody but him. And here we are. But, you know, I'm not going to let that term, you know, he, hopefully uh, your boy Butler, hopefully he, he says I'm going to give you a threesome with Rachel Nichols because she's going to follow me around the country. If you start shooting like a normal human being, you fucking stupid face dummy. <laughs> and hopefully Butler that'll gets, work. Butler gets followed by Rachel Nichols. Poor LeBron gets followed by Brian Whitehorse. So you can't <laughs> who wins on that deal. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, I watched that free throw the other night, and Fultz, and and even not just during the game, Fultz looks like a lost dog. He looks like the dog yeah. you see on the pound, and they're videoing for you know the ASPCA Arms of an Angel commercials. Like he just looks like he looks like the kind of guy. I, I think I saw this on Twitter. He looks like the kind of guy that just completely lied on his resume, and just yeah. just lied out his ass about everything he could do. And then he got the job and they expect him yep. to do all this. And he has no fucking clue. That's what the, that's what the kid looks like. And I realize he's just 20 years old, but dude, I'm one of the worst athletes you'd ever want to see. My free throw looks better than his. And I yep. make some of them. Like there's something up with this kid. <laughs> He is cracking, and we're seeing we're seeing Markel Fultz slowly just degenerate. And you were right. And anybody that that even denies it, this show we have proof, we have archive proof that we. And, and you know, I amen you. I agreed with you. I said I don't see the hype for this kid. All I'm seeing is a bunch of layups against Pac Pac ten, Pac twelve teams that are playing when they were down thirty. Yeah, and, and they were yeah. always losing. Um, yeah. Granted, his shot in college was better than it is now, but this kid is is he may be beyond repair now, and and people are finally starting to to come around. I know people today, uh, a few people posted on our Wide Men Can't Jump um, page on Facebook. You know, Tom Robinson was right about Markel Fultz. People are finally giving the credit. Finally, it feels good. It feels good to finally be listened to. I'm not falling on deaf ears. Um, it takes two years, apparently, but <laughs> Jesus, I, I there's there's so many people that I mean, now it's like it used to be ten less than ten percent thought the way I did. Um, it used to I was going to say it was ten ninety and 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 now it's ninety ten thinking the way I said, but there's still yeah. that little ten percent that are like, hey, yeah, like. Uh, he could develop over time, and you got to give him a chance. What? Like, develop yeah, I, to what? Yeah, like, I don't he, know. He's, he's he's the number one overall pick. Even if he improves that mental patient foul shot and all the shit he does, he's simply not that good. I mean, besides the mental shit, he's not that good. He's really not. I don't know, Tim I don't know Dombrova, what the problem has ever been. Tim Dombrova Go says ahead. he's headed for the land of the broken toys. That was a quote from Mr. Tim Dombrova <laughs> on the Fultz situation. Um, but I think yeah. Fultz, I think Fultz now, and maybe we're calling the fight too early here. I mean, granted, somebody's going to give him a chance to maybe potentially develop, but I'm seeing Anthony Bennett. I'm seeing Sam Bowie. I'm seeing, um, I'm just seeing the bust, the Darko Milicic written all over this kid. And Absolutely. you can tell, you can tell by the way his body language, and you can tell the way that he's carrying himself that he's just he's done. 
and now Jimmy Butler's yeah. in there, and he's playing next to the. And, and I think, I th- can we officially declare the process dead now? Can we can we do that today? Oh God! Can we officially? You should hear, you should yeah, hear those goofs. They they are so. They were so sad to see Rocco go, and I, I like Rocco the person, but Jesus Christ, give it a break! They're like, with Dario and Rocco, it's only Joel and TJ left from the process. Well, guess what? They're the only ones that are worth a shit in the process, you dumb fuck. <laughs> it's like they would rather lose with their process guys than win with non-process guys. Uh, oh, my God. I hope, I hope uh, you know, and it, it's funny. Like, I'm not going to call anybody hypocrites or anything, but I was listening to that um, rival podcast from an old acquaintance a little bit. They have a radio podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah, and the ones the ones yeah. that dived on my app last year. Yeah, and and they were just all of a sudden it's like it went from you know the process, 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 and they were sad and all that good stuff. And I, truth truth be told, I'm a little sad to see Dario go, but he just didn't fit in basketball wise here. But um, it's just like yes, the process is fucking over. Um, Elton Brand, although he is a uh, you know, he was kind of like in the mix as far as an associate with Brown and Hinky and all those guys and Colangelo, et cetera. I think I think we're seeing some change here and we're seeing an attempt to do something. I, they may be pulling the wool in front of my eyes too, but um, this is either going to make or break Ben Simmons a superstar. Um, if it blows up even, I, I don't even care what happens because – Simmons has the ability to be a superstar. He's not as nuts as Markel Fultz, but he's a half bat shit crazy too with that I think I'm the best kind of shit. He wasn't the rookie of the year. I agree with you. Donovan Mitchell crushed him last year, but those bullshit-ass triple-doubles are all he wants. He doesn't want to win. He's not a winner. And he's got the ability, so whether it blows up or not, if, if he's exposed in public by a teammate, if 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 only that I get from Jimmy Butler, if on the court on a national televised game he fucks up the shot clock and Butler says, shoot, you dumb motherfucker, and it's on camera, and they, they have to ask him after the game when the mics are around, that is what I want to hear. That will I will be happy with that. Well, you may get your wish on that, but um, I'm trying to decide, TR. There's so much drama going on in the NBA. Like, there's more drama in the NBA right now than maybe on the Young and the Restless. Um, yeah. Do we want to go – Do since we're on this topic with the trade, and, and I'll just go ahead and, and tell you, uh, you know, I was hoping we would get a little more, get a draft pick, but, you know, I like Dario. Rocco, if he, if he plays defense – that's all we need out of him. We need him to play defense, maybe shoot the occasional three, not get a little, not get crazy. But um, I think <laughs> if he misses, yeah, I know if he airballs one, just take him out of the game. Uh, I gotta warn you. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but I did get a chance to sit down and talk with Dave Benz, who is the voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves. He and I talked for about twenty minutes the other day uh, about this trade. We talked about the impact, what we think is going to develop from the teams, and we were able to discuss the Wolves in general. So we'll go ahead and play that. When we come back, though, I do want to talk about 
the Warriors, uh, the Golden State Warriors. I know we, we actually stay away from them quite a bit because if you want to hear about them, turn it on ESPN or any other major sports station to talk about the Warriors. But I think there's some stuff we need to discuss about the Warriors. Sure. So, all right, let's listen to my conversation with Dave Benz, the voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves, and then we'll be back talking more NBA, and we'll be talking some Golden State. So we'll, uh, we'll be with you in just a little bit. Well, joining me right now is the voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves from Spot Fox Sports North, Dave Benz. Dave, thanks for jumping on Why Men Can't Jump with us this week. I appreciate it, Nate. Great to be here. Uh, it's always good to hear from you. Listen to the games all the time, watching them. I was watching them on League Pass the other night when Jim was uh, hyping up the Purple Rain jerseys for this Friday, which I can't wait for. We sit parked in front of my TV for that one, so... Those jerseys are yeah, gorgeous, man. It's going it, to be sweet. Uh, it's going to be definitely going to be sweet. And uh, I, you know, I've yet to see them in person actually, so I'm very excited. And uh, the reviews have been outstanding from the people I know that have seen them. So I'm I'm very uh, anxious to get a look at them. Oh, me too. But we can't talk Minnesota basketball without talking about the elephant in the room. Uh, the Jimmy Butler trade finally goes down. The Wolves trade Butler and Justin Patton to the 76ers for Robert Covington, Dario Saric, uh, Jared Bayless, and an, a second-round pick. What did what did you, as a, as a Wolves guy, as a guy who's with the team a lot and travels with the team, what did you think of, of that trade? Do you think that was the best offer the Wolves could get, or do you think that maybe they shortchanged themselves? Uh, I mean, basically, I've been making the analogy that the the fact of the matter is the Timberwolves were sitting at a poker table – uh, with a queen high, and everybody could see their hands. <laughs> so, you know, for for them to get yeah. it, the, the return that they did uh, out of the situation, I think that the organization did very well. You know, clearly you're not replacing Jimmy Butler with an equal value player in terms of Robert Covington or Dario Saric or Jared Bayless, and no disrespect towards any of those players. And I think that, both, you know, all three of them – stand to be able to help this team. Um, But, you know, Jimmy Butler is an elite-level talent and arguably one of the best players to ever wear the Timberwolves uniform. So that's tough to replace. And, um, you know, he'll be missed in many ways. But at the same time, he he didn't want to be here, and the organization was really in a bad spot. And they were able to make a deal to get a couple of players who can help them right now and also, you know, are young and, and can be a part of the future for the next several years. I mean, Covington's only 27. Sharich is 24. You know, Bayless is a little older. He's 30. And, you know, I don't know what the long-term, you know, situation will be for him uh, going forward with the Timberwolves. His contract is up at the end of the year. But you figure Covington and Sharich are a couple of players that could be fixtures on this team for quite some time. So, uh, you know, you're, you're talking about, you know, Jimmy one way or another was not going to be here next season. He made that evidently clear. So if you don't make the trade, then Jimmy Butler's going to walk away in free agency and you're going to get nothing in return for him. So to get a couple of guys who can be fixtures in the organization for a long time, I think that from that standpoint, the, the organization did very well. I did a happy dance when Jimmy got traded. No offense to him. He was a great talent, but the past <laughs> few months as a, as a Timberwolves fan have just been too much. It was hard to watch. 
especially the five-game road trip. They go 0-5. It, it, it looked like the team had, had given up in that aspect with with the personnel. They weren't gelling. It wasn't working. And Jimmy Butler wanted gone. And I, and I think a lot of the players, they'll never admit it, but I think that the locker room now is, I would assume, a happier place to be than it was before. Maybe everyone was walking on eggshells before this trade went down. But has the atmosphere changed? Because we saw last night, uh, as we're recording this, Carl Anthony Towns has the big 25-21 uh, and 21 double-double. Wolves get a big win over a game Brooklyn team who's surprised a lot of people this year. So do you think the atmosphere's changed a little bit in that organization? Uh, I mean, it's, you know, tough to actually say without being in the locker room. And, you know, honestly, I would probably have a better read on things if the team was on the road, because at that point, you know, I'm I'm spending a little bit more time uh, around the players getting off buses and, you know, going into the hotel together, whatever, and having a chance maybe, maybe to chat them up. But, um, I, I mean, I would have a hard time believing that it has not lifted a weight off of some of their shoulders and made them uh, feel a little bit freer. And, you know, Anthony Tolliver said so much yesterday. He, he said that there's no question that this was like a double weight on their shoulders because of the fact that the team was not playing well and the team was, you know, losing games and felt like it should be playing better. And then you factor in all the things that were going on with Jimmy and the questions that the players were having to answer and, you know, the specter of how long is he going to be here weighing on the heads of, you know, the players. And, and, I mean, when you're going to play a game every single night and you're playing with a guy who you know doesn't want to be there, it doesn't matter how good that he is. It would be human nature for there to be, you know, some sort of angst associated with that. You would not be human if you didn't. So um, the fact that now that's not really an issue they may not be as talented on paper, top to bottom, but, you know, there, there's not the distraction. And that is going to certainly, I, I would think, have a positive impact on the locker room. And it's going to take a little while for the, the new players to get adjusted and for everybody to kind of have things settle into place. And I, I think the big picture is that, the you know, un, it's unfortunate the Timberwolves are in a little bit of a hole now, having started the season 4-9, four and nine, uh, four and nine, now 5-9 and nine after last night's win. And you're talking about being in the Western Conference where last year 46 wins for Denver wasn't enough to get in. So if you're thinking you need to win 47 games, uh, I think we did the, you know, we did the math last night that the, you know, I mean, to get to 47 wins, the Timberwolves are going to have to put together an extraordinary record to push uh, the rest of the way. But I I don't know that it's not possible. And like, you know, like we discussed, I, I think that, they're going to be a little bit more freer and easy now, knowing that the pieces that they have are the guys that are going to be here. And, you know, that's something at least to give a little bit of stability in terms of the environment, both in the locker room and on the floor. Yeah. And um, I do like the fact that the Wolves last night, they looked more comfortable. They were, uh, I thought Carl Anthony Towns had a phenomenal game against Brooklyn last night. Um, Of course, the defense needs help, but we're, Covington Sarich, I think, help out there on that end. So I think they got two really nice pieces in that deal. But enough about the past with Jimmy Butler. Let's look forward here with the Wolves and and what's going on in this organization. Um, Tom Thibodeau, of course, a lot of people are are speculating what's going to happen with him, especially after all this debacle has been going on. Um, Has there been – I'm sure there's rumblings going around in the organization. Is Tibbs' days with Minnesota numbered, or does Glenn Taylor still have faith that he can lead this franchise? 
Well, you put me in a tough spot to, you know, to ask me about about Tibbs because if, if you, you can't know, answer all, that, I'm, I'm not. I'm, if you can't answer uh, that, I understand. Well, no, no. I mean, it's it, it, you know, I, listen. It's a topic of conversation that that people are having, um, and and I, you know, the bottom line is that Glenn Taylor is really the only one that knows the answer to that, and I think that Glenn, you know, I was I have not spoken with Glenn directly about the situation. I will tell you that I heard John Krasinski. Um, who, you know, was out front in terms of all the reporting uh, with this entire situation from the very get-go. You know, John said on uh, one of the radio shows uh, here in Minneapolis today that he has spoken with Glenn Taylor, and, you know, that Glenn is basically expecting now that this team is going to be competing for a playoff spot and that Glenn is going to evaluate things based on that. So, um, you know, if you take what John is reporting at its word – uh, then, you know, I think that that kind of tells you all you need to know that, Glenn, you know, Glenn, Glenn wants nothing more than this team to succeed and this team to win. And when he went out and hired Tom Thibodeau a couple of years ago, that, that was, you know, expectations that Tibbs would be able to get this team, the franchise turned around and on the right path. And whether or not the fans agree or disagree with what has happened and how Tibbs has done things, the bottom line is this team did win 47 games last year. They did end a 13-year playoff drought. They have become a very tough team to beat, especially at home where they're 5-1 and one this year. So, you know, fans may have their criticisms with Tom Thibodeau, but um, at the end of the day, listen, I applaud Tibbs for getting the deal done that he got done and bringing Covington and, and Sharich here, having a bad hand at that poker table. And, and now we'll see. And if this team is able to bounce back and, and get into the playoff mix, um, then, you know, that, that obviously says a lot. And if it doesn't, then, you know, ultimately it's going to fall on, on Glenn Taylor, whether or not he wants to continue in the same direction. But, you know, there's only, only one person that is going to make that decision. And, um, you know, it, it's obviously his right to, to do what he, he deems as uh, being in the best interest of this team. And I, I know that nobody wants to win more than Glenn, and and I know that nobody wants to win more than uh, Coach Tibbs. Um, so it's, you know, hopefully some good fortune can finally fall on this organization. And, and you know, maybe uh, in the spring we're talking about what a remarkable turnaround this was and, you know, how bringing in Cummington and Sharich really changed the course of the season. And, you know, and everybody's – you know how it is. Everybody's ready to – to form a lynch mob when things aren't going well, and then everybody's ready to jump on the bandwagon when things do go well, and yeah. I mean, uh, uh, you know, when things do go well. So, it's a very reactive society that we live in, and fueled by by the internet and fueled by Twitter. And um, uh, sometimes I think you got to take a step back and you got to look at the big picture and, and realize that, you know, you can't always just be reactive to the court of public opinion and stay the course. And, and that's what Glenn Taylor and, and Tom Thibodeau has done. And, um, you know, let's kind of see how it all plays out. Well, let's get off the doom and gloom subjects that we've talked about so far. Let's <laughs> talk about some good things. And that would be, to me, one of the highlights of the season. Well, there's been two this year that have really stood out to me. One has been Josh Akogi. I absolutely love what this kid brings to the table. I love the way he plays. I think he's a fantastic player and a real steal where the Timberwolves drafted him. What are your thoughts on a Kogi so far this season, his rookie year? Well, I mean, I feel like the Timberwolves, historically, they have not had a great track record in terms of late first-round picks. Uh, I think that this is going to change that track record completely. Josh Kogi 
for him to still be available with the 20th overall pick and for him to be able to play and make an impact at the NBA level as quickly as he has for a young kid um, who didn't have a lot of expectations on his shoulders. Uh, and, and for him to be just so gritty defensively and getting in there and taking charges and getting steals and attacking the glass with reckless abandon and, you know, just really being draped all over whoever he's trying to defend. Um, it, it's been fun to watch. And, uh, it, you know, the one, the one knock on him might be that he's playing a little bit too reckless at times, but as Jim and I have talked about on the broadcast, that's a good problem to have. You'd much rather have guys that you have to, you know, try to dial back a little bit than guys that you were trying to prompt. So um, I think Okogi is just kind of scratching the surface of what he can do. And I feel very happy that he is on the Timberwolves because I, you know, he, he's been a whole lot of fun to watch when he's been on the floor. Uh, you know, you never know what he's going to bring. The, the energy is, is unmatched. And another guy, we got to bring it up, Derrick Rose. What a season he started out with. Uh, He had the 50-point game on Halloween night, uh, which was a special night for me. My first son was born that night, um, and I was watching the game in the hospital on my phone, watching Derrick Rose. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, I've already got his Wolves onesies laid out for him. He watches some of the games with me sometimes. So, (laughs) But – Nice. Yeah, he was born, and then later that night I watched Derrick Rose drop 50 and the Wolves get that big win in Utah, and I and that was a great night for me. But Derrick Rose has looked pretty fantastic in Burton. He looks like he's healthier now than he's been in years. What What's the thoughts on Rose and the organization? Is he going to be more a better player than what they thought they got last season when they signed him? I mean, he already has been, as, as you've said. I mean, he's gone – He's gone 21 or better now in four straight games, and his, his three-point shot, you know, and I haven't looked at the updated numbers, but I know in the month of November going into play the other night, he was leading the league in terms of three-point percentage. And, you know, historically, you're talking about a guy whose three-point shot was in the 20 percentile, um, you know, and, and he just now notched his career shooting number with this uh, unbelievable start that he's had to the season over 30%. But he's been just so fun to watch. And, and adding that shot, I think, really kind of has, you know, guys can't really go under screens anymore on Derrick Rose because he's he's shown that he's capable of knocking down that shot. And he may not have quite the explosiveness that he used to, um, but he still has some of the quickness. And, you know, all he needs is that little opening. And now that he's developed that shot, he's getting that little opening a little bit more than he probably would have. So, it's just been fun to watch, and I don't think there's any question that Derek can continue to play at the level that he's been playing at so long as he continues to be healthy. And, you know, you talk about a guy who has been through, you know, just so much in terms of having to come back from injuries, and I don't know that there's anybody in the league that is more in tune with their body and kind of listening to, okay, maybe I need to dial it back a little bit here like he did when the Timberwolves were on the road in that game against the Warriors. He played five minutes and, you know, was like, hey, things don't re- feel right, and he didn't play the rest of the night. He took the following game off, and, you know, and then he's been nonstop since, you know, since taking that game off uh, in Portland. Since he's been back in the lineup, he's been unbelievable. So I think if, you know, Derek Rose tells you, hey, I might need to take the night off tonight, you listen to that because you're protecting the long term. But, I mean, if he continues to stay healthy, it's going to be fun to watch because, you know, now that the Timberwolves are going to be able to work Sharich and Covington in and hopefully have a full lineup and you've got Jeff Teague back healthy now, 
uh, and Andrew Wiggins has been dealing with, you know, some, some quad issues, but historically he's been healthy. You get a full complement. You get Derek Rose, you know, coming in and, and leading that reserve unit, um, uh, you know, or maybe you continue to play Derek Rose and, and, and Jeff Teague as you're starting, you know, guard combo. I, it's, it's a good problem to have for the Timberwolves. Do you, do you slide Andrew Wiggins back into the backcourt now and, and start he and Jeff Teague so you can have Covington out there? Um, you know, at one of the wing spots, or do you, what are you going to do? Tom Thibodeau has some options, and Derek Rose has certainly given him some options. So uh, it's going to be, I just, you know, every time Derek Rose goes to the ground, I think we all hold our breath hoping that uh, he's going to get back up, and so far he has. And as long as he continue, you know, continues to stay healthy, I think it's going to be a fun season to watch him. Yeah, and I, I'm really enjoying the Wolves team this season, especially now. I can't wait to see what a couple 3 and D guys like Sarich and Covington. And Sarich has actually got a pretty good post game too. Uh, if people never watch, my co-host is a huge Philly fan, and he loves Dario Sarich. So uh, we're going to be talking about that trade this week quite a bit. But uh, And also another guy that we didn't really get to mention, he talked about Teague and Rose, but I absolutely have fallen in love with Tyus Jones' game. I love what he brings to the table for the Wolves. So, again, this is a, a roster that in years past has been kind of lacking in bench depth. But now we're almost finding out that we have a very deep team, especially guys like Gorgie Jang, who's coming off the bench. And you've got Josh Okogie now, who's a rookie, who can come in and play. So, we're finally getting to where this team uh, is built to do some damage, especially off the bench. And Carl Anthony Towns, I think he and Andrew Wiggins are going to lead this team. And, I don't know if they'll make the playoffs this season, but I think if they get a good key addition in the offseason, this is going to be a dangerous team. Yeah, well, that's uh, kind of what we're all hoping for. But, uh, you know, in the bench, it, it, the numbers for the bench have not been great this season. But, again, they, you know, they've been playing with uh, a shorthanded roster all year. So, yeah. I agree with you. I think the numbers on the bench are going to become markedly improved. And I think it's going to become a strength for this team, whereas last year, as good as they were, it was one of the weaknesses. So you turn that into a strength, and, and that's certainly going to help everybody across the board. Yeah, and of course, Kieta Bates-Diop, who uh, went down to the Wolves development, or the G League, I should say. I keep wanting to call it the D League, but the G League uh, comes back up after going down and having a great night there. I loved him, too, in that draft. He was a guy I had in my mock draft in the first round, and he goes in the second to the Wolves. So I thought we drafted well, but um, you know, one thing I want to bring up before I let you go, Dave, and I, I want to give a big kudos to you, Jim Peterson, uh, and Vanessa Lambert, who you guys, who you tweeted out today, the entire Fox Sports North team on Karis LeVert's injury last night. I thought it was classy the way that it was handled. Uh, no repeats, no replays or anything like that. And the fact that that guy only dislocated his foot and is going to be back this season is fantastic news because I really like that guy's game, and I thought the whole crew up there handled it perfectly. Well, I appreciate that. Um, really, the, the kudos to that should go to our game producer, uh, Vanessa Lambert, who – I'll, I'll be honest with you, neither Jim nor I on the air, when we saw the replay – we didn't really see what exactly had happened um, because I was kind of looking at his knee and it was, you know, the whole thing was kind of a blur for me from my perspective, because when he first went down, Tibbs was standing right in front of me. So I was blocked out. I couldn't even see who it was on the floor. And then I started looking at the monitor 
and, uh, you know, people were gathered around him, so it was blocked out. So it took me a second to even be able to identify who was down there. And then we showed the replay, and I, I didn't notice the foot. I was kind of looking at the knee because, I, you know, you, the, when somebody's down like that, the first thing you think is ACL in your brain. And so I'm kind of looking at his knee, did his knee bend. But other people in the truck, especially our producer, Vanessa, she saw it, and she just said, we're not showing that again. <laughs> so so she made that decision, and then, you know, she got into my ear, and, you know, we have a button I can hit that's, that will cut my mic so that only our producer can hear us. So I was speaking with her kind of in it, and I'm like, what exactly happened? I didn't see it. She's like, his ankle, his foot twisted away. It shouldn't have twisted, and it was really gross. And so, um, you know, so then we kind of – from that, and, and based upon the way everybody was reacting, you know, we could kind of tell that the severity of it w- was uh, you know, apparently very bad. And, of course, the news today appears very good that there's actually a belief within the Nets organization that he's not done for the season. So that's great. You love to hear that for a young kid who's really starting to emerge. Um, but really that entire – all the credit for the, the situation and us not showing any more replays, that, that goes to our, our people in our truck uh, head by, headed by our producer, Vanessa Lambert. Well, I saw the replay and I saw the foot, and my fiance and I were watching the game, and she saw it too. And she says, oh, man, that was bad, and we watched it. And I said, oh, gosh, and then we noticed the replay didn't play, and I was like, well, that was the best way to handle it. And it's a good thing that I, I don't know how he didn't break a bone, break something, but I'm glad Karis is okay and going to be back on the court this season, so that's fantastic. And, uh, Dave, I really yeah. do appreciate your time here on the show, and thanks for coming on, and we look forward to hearing more Fox Sports North. You and Jim, you're my favorite commentators, and I'm a little biased, but I don't really care. It's my show. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to go ahead and say that, but uh, you guys are fantastic, and I look forward to when we can talk again. All right. Well, thanks for having me on, man. Anytime. Always happy to talk Timberwolves basketball with you, Nate. All right. Thanks, Dave. Have a good night. Uh, All right. Cool. Thanks, man. Take care. See ya. That was my conversation with Dave Benz, the voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Always good to have Dave on the show. And, T.R., I'm looking at the scoreboard right now. Your Sixers are up 12 in the fourth on the Orlando Magic right now. Yeah, I, I turn the radio broadcast. Uh, I'm kind of migrating as I'm as I'm doing the show. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I didn't know if they would – you know, and it's still not over, but I didn't know, you know, if they'd have enough time, talent or not, you know, um, to gel and to win tonight because Orlando gave them a tough game here that they barely squeaked yeah. out a one-point victory. Um, well, I did I did talk, and you'll hear it later, I talked with Philip Rossman Reich about the game that is on right now. It's actually now down to an 11-point game, but, but you'll hear that conversation later. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but go ahead. We talked about the Magic game tonight. Yeah, yeah. I I, um, I figured when you contacted Philip, it, it, it all had a big tie-in, which was smart of you because we didn't get a chance to talk um, off-air. But, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, pending the result, it would be nice to see a win. And, uh, you know, I, I, I DVR it in my new residence in Jersey, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, skipping through and seeing how they play and what have you. But I, I must commend uh, – 
the Minnesota Timberwolves guys, I mean, Jesus, they've been so accommodating to us. Um, you know, not the the Sixers, you know, the guys like Pompey and Tom Moore, et cetera, that we've had from Philly. But, I mean, we're getting their broadcast team, their radio broadcasters, et cetera. So kudos to you and uh, Dave and Jim and all those guys are just awesome people, like class acts, man. Yeah, they're great guys. Uh, meanwhile, right now, speaking of the Wolves, they are on ESPN tonight against the Pelicans. Uh, Robert Covington got the start tonight. Dario Saric has played uh, He's played about eight and a half minutes so far. There's about 7.43 left in the, the second quarter. Pelicans 29, Wolves 48, uh, heading into halftime. And Anthony Davis is playing, by the way. And Derrick Rose is out. So if that tells you anything. Uh, I think you said that backwards unless I misheard you. Are the Wolves up 20? Yeah, they're up 48-31 right now. They are up. So how 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 are the new additions happening? Uh, Covington, Covington, three points, three rebounds, two assists, one of three from three, plus thirteen in the plus minus. Uh, Dario Sarge, seven points, three rebounds, an assist, two steals, plus eleven in the plus minus, and he is shooting three of four from the field right now. The big story: Carl Anthony Towns, not even halftime, fifteen and nine already. Uh, Wiggins six and six and a rebound and an assist. Josh Kogi's had some nice shots. I really like Josh Kogi, by the way. If anybody's looking to get me a Josh Kogi jersey for Christmas, I'll send you my address. Really like that kid. But um, the new additions seem to be paying off. Uh, like what I'm seeing so far. And Towns, and Towns has been a man on a mission since Butler left. I think Towns was um, he was the one who was most affected by Jimmy's comments, and he was the one who Jimmy kind of attacked. So once Butler got out, he—I don't think Towns Towns did not want to play with Jimmy Butler anymore. Towns was pissed. He didn't want to put up with a guy that didn't want to be there. He and notice when Butler said he wanted out and he was going to get traded, that's when the Carl Anthony Towns deal went down uh, to sign him to a max extension. So he's there another five years. But Towns tonight has been energetic. Um, according to John Krasinski's tweets online, he says Towns is looking great. Uh, Andrew Wiggins is shooting the ball with more confidence. So it seems like just tonight, of course, it's one game, so you can't breathe too much into it. But the Wolves may have a little pep in their step now that Butler's gone. In the past two games, Towns had 25-21 and 21 against the Nets, and he's already off to a big start tonight. So he's out to prove something. Well, I, I mean, if Butler turned out to be the heel there um... – I, I guess he definitely turned out to be the heel there, but you know, I think Me we did. mentioned it one time. <laughs> yeah, and to a lot of people. Um, but I think we mentioned it before, just in life in general. If you if you're in the workplace, you know, they're human beings besides being professional athletes. Yeah. And somebody's just up your ass, and you just don't like being in that environment, et cetera, et cetera. It affects your work. It affects the, what you do, and what he does is play basketball for a living. So if it was bothering him on that level just to coexist with Butler, it makes total sense that, you know, he would play up to the number one overall draft pick several years ago. So, I mean, I guess in the end, if everybody's happy, it's all good. Yeah, and, and that's just been that, – it's great to see. And I'm I'm really happy that it seems like the Wolves are kind of coming back to their normal selves, no more drama. The drama is gone from Minnesota – but uh, 
as we hop on our segue. Speaking of drama, uh, the best team in all the land, I think we would we would call them, are the projections to win the finals this year. Um, experiencing some rocky times out in the San Francisco area. Uh, don't know if anyone, if you missed it, I'll go through it really quick. The other night, uh, the Warriors lose to the Clippers in overtime. The last shot of the game, uh, the Clippers miss a shot. Coming down, the Warriors have a chance. Draymond Green gets the rebound. Draymond Green dribbles up the court. Kevin Durant is noticeably standing, clapping for the ball. He wants to bring the ball up court and take the last shot. Draymond Green just dribbles the ball up the court. Doesn't even get a shot off because he's fucking Draymond Green. But he trips over his own feet and ends up, the game goes into overtime. There were words apparently exchanged between the two. And there's been video surface online of Durant. Uh, if you could read his lips, say, that's why I'm out of here. Damn, man. Uh, stuff like that. Rumors are circulating that Durant will not re-sign. There's been unknown players come forward and say there's no possible way after what went down because apparently there was uh, words in the locker room after the loss that Kevin Durant is gone after this season. He will be using his – he will exercise free agency and go elsewhere to play. And apparently Draymond Green called him a bitch uh, <laughs> for, for wanting the ball. Uh, that And that's according – now, of course, this is all hearsay, so this is all what Twitter speak and what, what have you. But apparently uh, not so great out there. Apparently winning doesn't stop all the, the hatred uh, – but apparently Kevin Durant was not happy about that, and people are speculating that he will not return as a Golden State Warrior. What are your thoughts on that, Mr. T.R. Shock? Well, I didn't hate Kevin Durant for, uh, you know, like everybody else did, for, for going going where he could win. Um, but I, that said, I'm not a very big Kevin Durant guy as it is. I respect his talent. He's incredible. Um always top three NBA player, if not top when he's on. Um, and we, we've, we've talked ad nauseum about how batshit crazy Draymond is. So looking from the outside, it's somewhat entertaining because it's like two assholes that are button heads. Um, I, you know, I've heard the rumors as well. I think Steph is the only lifer out there. I mean, he's such a likable personality and, He's really the the spark that turned that team around. Um, I think you know Clay, um, Durant, and Draymond will all eventually go, but um, that's why I'm out is very telling. I think it's the LeBron and LA type of thing, and they've always wanted to play together. I mean that's just the first thing that comes to mind. But hell, if they're in the market, if they can't keep each other together. Uh, I'll I'll give him Simmons and Fultz for uh, Durant straight up. <laughs> well, the the problem being is Durant is a free agent after this season, so he's gonna be able to go wherever he wants, LA. But who knows? Like honestly, who knows where he could end up? And who knows if Butler's gonna resign in Philly? The rumor was he was supposed to, but I just don't know. I. I'm confused by it because Butler, they said Butler plans to re-sign in Philly, but that's going to max out their contracts. 
there if they give him a max deal. That you're not going to be able to bring any more pieces around him. That's going to be your team. Your team's going to be Butler, Embiid, Simmons. Okay, is that enough to win a title, Tr? To you? Uh, not if Simmons doesn't start shooting, not at all. But yeah, um, there was some somebody who's smarter than I who wiggled the numbers that that said for just for this year, if they wanted to go all out, they could get another big piece. Um, not big piece LeBron, big piece, but big piece Kevin Kevin Love. If they yeah, Kevin Love. W- went into the tax and this, that, and the other, and and they delayed Ben's uh, extension and all this other shit has to happen. Um, much like the Eagles, I'm cool with one title. I, I don't really care. Uh, I think Embiid's doomed <laughs> to get hurt. Um, so, you know, um, and, and I'm a fan of the, you know, you, I got to give you another guy, Wilson Chandler, you turned me on to him. And he's he's been on a minute's restriction, but tonight he got the start. And, you know, just watching the guy, he's one of those uh, what they call professionals. Um, he yeah. just gets his 10 points, gets his quiet, you know, six or seven rebounds that are key. He'll, he'll see somebody open for a key basket. He'll dive on the floor. He's like a big TJ. And um, – I felt their starting lineup tonight, although I wouldn't use J.J., you know, obviously from game 13 on with all those minutes. But um, I thought their starting lineup tonight was uh, just incredible on paper, the best I've seen in a long time. Um, and defensively, when you got a guy like Wilson Chain, uh, Chandler, Chandler, God damn it, I almost called him Will Chamberlain. <laughs> when you got a guy who could play defense like that, you know, near Rocco level, and and you got Simmons and you got Embiid defensively, and now you got Butler defensively. Uh, you can throw in JJ there as a little bit of a weakness. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and yeah, you, get, you can make up for it with the offense. So I really love their start lineup tonight. And as long as TJ McConnell's on the bench, and you got the Amir Johnsons and Mascalas and whoever the hell else of faults. Uh, I'm a real fan of Korkmaz. Kork, I don't know if this uh, was on your radar, but Korkmaz act, actually before they started playing him, and he dropped 16 the other night, demanded mm-hmm. a trade if he didn't start playing. So either they're wow, showcasing – yeah. I never heard that. Yeah, because he he gets garbage time, and the guy put up 40 in the summer league. He's, just, he's fucking Marco Bellinelli basically – 20 years younger uh, the guy can shoot his ass off he can score at will and he, he's just bad defensively he's a defensive weakness and and he's not marketable so their ownership group can't sell many jerseys but you know if he starts popping three-point field goals and giving jj's legs a break along with landry shamit and whatnot they're like i said man i'm all in right now i uh i'm Only giddy Tyree for once only uh, Zahari Smith was able to play. I almost called him Zairi again. Zahari uh, Smith. He's still, but, uh, he's, he's still fucked up his name, but you're allowed because he won't play for like three years. It's Zaire Smith. I saved, but. I saved it, though. I saved it. Um, yeah. this, uh, you may not like to hear what I'm about to tell you, but Keith Pompey tweeted out just a little bit ago, Orlando on a 20-0 run and, led, and we're leading the 76ers 96-92 now. Wow. I wonder I wonder who were, who were in at that point. I don't know, um, but apparently it's 97 all right now with five and a half to go in Orlando. So interesting game there. 
Um, Wolves are up 62. Wolves have put up 62 points and a half. Son of a bitch. What happened? <laughs> My God. There you go. But 62 points. They're up 62-47 on the Pelicans. Well, if you follow my picks, I took the Pelicans tonight at minus one because I was like, there's no way. Pelicans are healthy, healthy, correct? Yeah, like they are. I'm looking at their minutes tonight, and uh, I, I watched a, a clip. Julius Randle's playing. Uh, Miracic is playing. Etwan Moore, Anthony Davis. Uh, they're all playing. Randle's only got three points. Davis has got 13 uh, Moore's leading the way with 18, but apparently their plus minus is awful. Davis is at minus six. Randall's at minus 13 right now. And I flip over to the Drew? Wolves. Cat's, Cat's got 17 about, and 10. Actually, I think Holiday may be hurt. No, no, he's playing. Okay. 4.6 okay. assists. So I don't know. Was I'll tell you, one more. That much of a hindrance is what I'm wondering. Was he that big of a distraction? Well, it's it's certainly got to be a mood a mood uh, enhancer with Butler gone or whatever. That I'm sure that's playing a role. And of course, yeah. Covington and and Dario want to come in and say, "See you, dumb fucks! Why'd you get rid of me?" So there's that true, element, true. I'm sure. But well, uh, Dario, just another Dario's at plus Dario's at plus thirteen and Covington's at plus eleven right now. So they seem to be doing yeah. quite well. But again, well, you know, we were talking. About Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Just another jab at those processors. Um, before that process began, there was a guy um, who was here. It actually started that whole Sam Hinkie bullshit. Drew Holiday. How, how'd he turn out? <laughs> he turned out we, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got rid of him to rebuild. Anyway, whatever. But, yeah, I mean, the Warriors this offseason, there's a possibility, TR. If you look at the contract structure with Golden State, as I kind of segue back to where we were. Um, and sorry, folks, again, for jumping back and forth to Wolves Sixers, but that's, it's really the biggest story in the league right now, and, and that's mine and TR's team. So we're going to talk about it a little bit. But we are going to kind of this second hour here, we're going to talk a little more about different things. And uh, can't wait to preview what I've got coming up next week. I think everybody's going to love what we're going to talk about next week. Um one thing I did want to bring up with the Warriors is that they could potentially, I don't think they will, but there's potential loss of Durant, Thompson, and Green all this offseason. Could you imagine that? Uh, yeah, I, ha- I have imagined it for about the last four years. but uh, Well, not Durant. <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, yeah, me too. But um, One thing I did notice, though, was when Green was trying to, him and Durant were having words on the sidelines. You know who the voice of reason was? One Boogie Cousins, DeMarcus Cousins, was the voice of reason in the huddle. Then Is that not something that, that we need to look at and say, Boogie Cousins is calming everybody down? <laughs> What's yeah. the chances in that? I mean, that that is either Durant and Draymond are worse than we thought, or Boogie Cousins has really matured in the course of like two years. And let's let's be optimists and say, good for you, Boogie, because you know we liked him as a player. We just yeah, always I didn't I think, until he went there, but I still I still yeah, kind of like. I really do. I think I think everybody was rooting for a guy who, who could just pull forty and twenty anytime he wanted to um, to get his head together. So if his foot or whatever the hell 
plantar fascia or whatever. What's he got? Achilles or whatever. I don't know what he's got. He had a torn Achilles, I believe. You know, uh, I think this will be the only chance he'll ever have to win an NBA championship. So if it's not my sixes, yeah. not your T-Wolves, uh, get, get Boogie a goddamn trophy. Well, before before we move on, I do want to mention, you know, thoughts on Carmelo Anthony. Because, you know, I didn't – I forgot, I, you know, with all the trade talk and everything going on with the Warriors, I completely forgot about the fact Carmelo Anthony may have played his last minutes for the Houston Rockets, and I believe he has. And, you know, TR, again, we told them. We, yep. we told them. They wouldn't listen. They got rid of defensive players and brought in flashy names. You sold some jerseys, but you didn't win games. So, man, that that rhymed. That was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> but Mello, I'm calling it now. Carmelo Anthony, whenever he is cut or away from the Rockets and clears waivers, Carmelo will end up on Golden State. He will be the one exception to my rule of being angry about guys going to sign with Golden State. The man has literally exhausted all options. Go go get your ring, Mello. I, I, Nate's okay with it. Go get your ring, kid. I guess I'm okay with that too, if that's where he ends up. Because God forbid, they've you know the, I hate the sports. I mean, I listen to it because I'm, I guess, love to punish myself. But the sports radio <laughs> in this town is so, it's so mind numbing how dumb the fan base are, and they're they're led by these hosts that. I mean, quite frankly, I could squash their ratings with wide men can't jump with you and I, and, and you're, you don't even live in Philly. Um, but they just beat one subject to death. But today was Jimmy Butler Day, and then they extended it to maybe we'll get one more piece, and you could hear every goddamn name you've ever heard. And one of them was Carmelo Anthony, and, and one of the hosts was saying, well, they need a bench, and you know if they've got nobody good on the bench, what would it hurt? And I'm saying to myself, it would hurt everything. I mean, <laughs> it really the, jur- would. the jury's out on Jimmy Butler being uh, a team killer, but there's no jury with Mello. He is a team nah. killer, and he's a bad teammate. He he believes that he's still in his prime where he was one of the top five guys in the NBA, which I'll give it credit. He probably was uh, at one po- a year or two into his career. I mean, not into a year or two during his career he was probably a top fiver um but no i don't want to even bring that back up about him coming here yeah uh, I, i'll pat him on the head and say you know you go you and buggy get you and buggy you and boogie get your rings right off into the sunset golden state tears apart steph stays out there scores 90 a game with a bunch of scrubs that's fine with me yeah i'd be okay with that too but uh Speaking of being okay, TR, we do want to thank – we got so many great sponsors for tonight's episode. I mean, seriously, and thank you to all of our sponsors, our continued sponsors. We had the Enclosed.com, which was in here with us earlier. But now we do want to to thank, again, a, a returning sponsor, OffensiveCrayons.com, ladies and gentlemen. Offensive Crayons. Uh, TR, we've, we've seen these crayons, and, and if you like – things like Cards Against Humanity, you're not easily offended. A great gift for somebody who just is a once is, has a dark sense of humor. Um, you know, 
And and even if somebody likes to color, that likes to laugh, you know, you get rid of those red and golden rod and all these things, and now you have better colors than that. You've got travel band brown and and privilege. Privilege, by the way, is the color white, in case you were wondering. But, uh, you know, available for a limited time at OffensiveCrayons.com. The holiday edition is coming, including Drunken Racist Uncle Purple, Ho Ho Home Invasion Red. And, of course, TR, how can we forget everybody's favorite color, Boner Peel Blue. So make sure you pick up your own Offensive Crayons. There's more than just these. These are the ones that aren't racy. (laughs) <laughs> there's some there's some ones that I don't want to repeat here on the air, but uh, they're fun. Uh, I bought I, they actually sent me a pack, and I love them. They're hilarious. Um, you know, we passed them around. Uh, the family did, and we all had had some laughs at some of these names. And we do thank Offensive Crayons uh, for sending us a, a sample. They're great, and I, I honestly recommend them. If you have someone in your family who just you know, they have a dark sense of humor, they like to have fun, or just if you like to color, they're pretty awesome. And we've shared the pictures online. So pick up your box of Offensive Crayons. It's at OffensiveCrayons.com. Thank you to them for sponsoring the show. I can add, uh, you know, they, they they don't pull punches. They put offensive in their name. Um, it's buyer beware. You know what you're getting into. They're not hiding and slipping something in and being inappropriate just to be inappropriate. They call themselves offensive crayons. Um, everybody's politically correct these days, but you know out there deep inside that you love a good roast, and roasts oh, yeah. have no holds, no holds barred because it's just a joke. So check out offensive crayons and, and lighten up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 they're great. And seriously, everybody check them out, pick them up. They're awesome. But, TR, let's take a look here right now at the scoreboard here. We're kind of just doing this live. It's halftime in Minnesota. Wolves are up 13. Cats got 20 and 10 already at the half. Right now, with a minute left on the clock, the 76ers are trailing by two through the Orlando Magic. Um, Unbelievable. Butler's got Butler's got 14. But he's minus seven in the plus minus and B with nineteen, thirteen, and nine flirting with a triple double. He's at plus five. Ben Simmons, seven points, three rebounds, six assists, minus nine in the plus minus. So rough night for him. Markel Fultz, eight points, three rebounds, two assists. Of course, game far from over. Um but right now, speaking of the magic, let's go ahead and go to our buddy, Philip Rothman Reich, who I talked to. Uh, this is Philip's fifth time on the show. He leads everybody. He is a, a returning guest. The fifth time he's been on the show. He uh, he came on early in the the wide men days, and he he's remained with us for a while now. And, and Philip's awesome, and so much insight on the magic, and talks about some of the things that that went down. I don't know if you remember this, Tr, but there was some a um, little bit of drama up in Orlando with Steve Clifford and his players, and. You'll hear about that. Me and Philip discussed that, and uh, now the game is tied. So that'll give our listeners a chance, if you're listening live, to check out the finish of that ball game. So listen to my speech, my speech, my talk with Philip Rossman Reich, and we'll be back on the other side to talk a little more hoops and sum up what happened tonight in Orlando. Good with that, TR? Yeah, I'm, I have a bad connection, so I might go off and on, but I'll be listening. All right, we'll be right back after my talk with Philip Rossman Reich. 
Joining me right now is the editor and site expert at the Orlando Magic Daily and host on the Locked on Magic podcast. If you don't know this guy after listening to this show by now, what are you doing? Philip Rossman Wright, my guy from Orlando. What's up, Philip? How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing great. And we, before we get started talking about the Magic, I do want to say it is official as of right now. Philip is the most visited guest on Wide Men Can't Jump. This is his fifth appearance in a year here on the show. So congratulations to him for that. He's our guy. This this, this is a this is a high honor, and I, I cannot think of anything more special than than than, than that than that, uh, than that distinction. So hopefully it won't be a lonely club for much longer. We'll we'll make jackets, but uh, until then I will hold it over every other guest. Jeff Garcia is nipping at your heels from out in San Antonio. He's on for himself right now, so his next visit, he would be joining the the Five Club here. So that and a buck fifty guys will get you a hot dog. But anyway, <laughs> Phil, it's great to have you back again. I want to talk a little Orlando Magic as we usually do, and we really appreciate you coming on and your insight. Um, first, let's talk about the elephant in the room, concerns of the Magic. Last week, I was keeping up with what was going on. The Magic uh, end up having, um, I don't know if it's, uh, I, won't, I don't want to call it a scuffle, but uh, a loud conversation from what I'm hearing. Coach Steve Clifford kind of got sideways at the guys. What did you hear about what happened with that situation? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it, it really wasn't uh, anything super crazy. It was just, you know, kind of calling them out on, on their play a little bit. Um, you know, against the Detroit Pistons, really it was Terrence Ross was the only one who scored anything off the bench. Uh, he was the only guy that was really shooting efficiently or playing effectively off the bench and essentially lost a double-digit lead to the Pistons uh, in, in a game that I think they felt like they could win and they should win if they want to get where they want to be. Uh, and, and, and it was a huge part of the reason why they, they lost that game. And so I think what Steve Clifford was, was doing was, was sending a message to his, to his players that, look, this play is not acceptable. We can't just skate through these games. We've got to be focused and attentive at all points of the game or we're going to lose. And right now, you know, he's trying to change a culture. And, it's, and honestly, I took the message not only as a message to the players, it was also a message somewhat to the media and to the fans to say, hey, raise your expectation, expectation levels on this team. Don't, don't, you know, be, don't pass off moral victories. Don't say, oh, you know, the starters played well, but that's so good you're taking stuff in the right direction. No, you don't get that when you lose. You, you have to win games to, to, to take those lessons and find value in them. Otherwise, you know, what are you doing? So I think, I think a lot of that was, a lot of the noise that was coming out, and I think the team took it to heart, was, you know, the expectation now is we've got to win. Uh, we, we can't be just skating by. We can't just be satisfied with close losses when we have the opportunity to win, especially at home. We've got to take those and we've got to win. And I think, I think that, was the message, that was the message heard in the messages from the last week. Yeah, and I do want to bring up, I actually flipped it over during that game. I was watching the Pistons Magic game, and something kind of caught my eye there. Um, and maybe it's just a, maybe it's just the old school basketball fan in me, but it kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. Um, Eric Gordon, with the Magic down late, um, and this is not a shot on him. I know he was, you know, he's out there playing the game, and it just happens. But the Magic are down. You're trying to come back and win. It's the series time. It's crunch time, and Eric. Aaron Gordon gets an alley-oop toss to him, and he puts his hand behind his head like he's in the dunk contest. 
does that resonate with people, or am I alone here thinking, ah, you know, maybe you should focus on winning the game and not on style points? Maybe – am I alone in that? Yeah. No, no, I don't think you're alone on that. I, mean, I, th- I think that, that that's a fair criticism that, that Aaron's faced a little bit, uh, even throughout the season. And I think he's largely been very, very good. And, you know, I'm not one to tell a 22-year-old not to, to showboat a little bit, not to kind of, you know, in, in, in the parlance to feel himself a little bit uh, in that way. You know, he'll, he'll post highlights of himself on his Instagram page. I mean, there's, these guys have other interests. They're, they're promoting themselves as much as they're promoting the team. But, you know, kind of a fair criticism of Aaron Gordon over the last – certainly over the last year and, and even into this year a little bit is that, you know, he's kind of searching for his own stats and, and kind of searching for his own shine a little bit. And, and so I, I don't think that criticism is misplaced. He, he is still a 22, 23 year old kid. Um, you know, we all remember what we were like at that age. You know, he, he definitely probably showboated a little bit in the moment, got caught up in the moment and, um, you know, had a big play and, and made the most of it on the style points. Uh, but, you know, certainly, you know, I, I would say this about Aaron. Very few guys on the team take losing as hard as he does. Um, he wants to win very, very badly. I think a lot of the guys on the team do. Um, but Aaron is a pretty, you know, outgoing guy, obviously, with, with that play. Um, when, when the team loses, he gets very quiet and very serious. And, you know, this is still about a team learning how to win games and how to be successful in this league. And something that, you know, I think this will, again, be another lesson learned. Yeah, and and honestly, Aaron Gordon, after getting that max contract, um, I was critical of that max contract, but he's honestly been the magic in terms of numbers, second-best player this season uh, so far as we're 14 games in as we talk right now, uh, only behind Nikola Vucevic, who's averaging 18 and about 11 rebounds a game. Gordon's had great stats. He's averaging 16.5 points per game, which is up about five points per game from his career. He's averaging two more rebounds than he usually does for his career stats. Uh, playing well, so I can't I can't criticize. I, I normally would be very critical of Aaron Gordon, but he's played well so far this season for the Magic. But um, you know, other than that, you're not seeing a lot, especially in guard play. Evan Fournier's looked great, but DJ Augustine, ten points per game, four rebound or four assists. Um, excuse me on that, four assists per game. What exactly does this Magic team need to do? They're sitting in the nine seed right now, early in the season. What do they need to do to take the next step? to get towards a playoff push? I mean, I think really that the big step for this team is, is to find consistency, is, is to find a level of play that, that, that they can feel comfortable that they'll play at every single night. I mean, I think with this team, we're still kind of in the mode where uh, every night we're not sure what we're going to get. Um, you know, some nights we're going to get the strong Magic team that, that, that beat Boston, that beat San Antonio uh, pretty handily. Uh, some nights we're going to get the Magic team that plays like they did against the Pistons, uh, where they look for moments and then they fade away. Um, some nights, you know, we just don't know what we're going to get from this team, you know, uh, even from a quarter-to-quarter basis, from unit to unit. And so I think that's a big thing that uh, this Magic team has to figure out is how do they how do they play at a consistently high level every single night? It's a big lesson that they're going to learn. Um, you know, obviously with the roster with deficiencies, you know, C.J. Augustin probably should not be your starting point guard. As, as, as well as I think he's played, um, he, you know, you're, you're not going to kind of reach uh, a championship level with D.J. Augustin as your starting point guard unless you have a LeBron James or someone else on the team. Magic don't have that, obviously. Uh, and so, you know, they're, they're kind of make. I think they're kind of making the best with what they've got. You know, they're not, they're not, you know, not going to be ashamed of what they got. Um, you know, they're, gonna play, they're, they're, they're still going to have the expectations of making the playoffs with what they have. Um, but, you know, they know this isn't, the, this isn't the end product in the long term either. And so I think the big question 
that remains is, you know, how do you do more with this group? And I think right now it's just about playing with the same level of intensity and attention to detail every night, and that's been a big struggle for this group so far. Yeah, and I want to do a quick uh, rookie check with you. Mo Bamba, he's a favorite here on the show. Uh, TR and I are both big fans of his. Averaging 6 points, 6.9 points per game, so we'll call it 7 points a game, 5 rebounds. Um, you know, he's not going to get as much playing time behind, you know, guys like Vucevic and things like that. But against the Knicks, he had 15 and 8, had 15 and 2 in the win against Washington at home. So Bomba's showing a little bit of glimpses of um, of what he can do here in the NBA. What do, what do you think so far being close to the team? What are your what are your thoughts on Mo Bamba this season for the Magic? I've been very impressed with Mo Bamba. Um, I, I didn't think he'd be this good def- this good offensively as quickly as he's been. Uh, he, he's a guy that you just kind of go, they're kind of asking him to go out there and, and make a difference. You know, play within the offense, play within the system, but but find a way to make a difference. I mean, they're not going to run plays for him. They're not going to do a lot with him to, to feature him specifically. Um, he's just there to kind of figure it out and play his role. And, and honestly, he's largely done that. You know, I, I think that that the Magic can sit back and, and say and, and be very happy with the with the, what Mobamba's done and how he's contributed to this team so far. Um, it, it, it's going to be a little bit. It's going to be a long process with him. You know, he had a game last night where he you know had I think two points and you know had five fouls. Um, those nights are going to happen. He's still going to get beat up a little bit on the block. He's just very skinny, very slim, and, and you know just not a, a big physical presence outside of his length quite yet. But so far, I think we could say, you know, he's making a difference on the floor. He's a guy Steve Clifford wants to play. I mean, you know, Clifford is a hard-driving coach who doesn't like to play rookies. He isn't afraid to play him. He wants to play Mo Bamba, and I think that's a very, very good step in the sign that, yeah, he's making progress and he'll continue to get better. Uh, Jonathan Isaac's another guy that I've been trying to keep my eye on as of late. He, uh, like Bamba, sixth-round pick or sixth round, sixth draft pick out of uh, out of Florida State last year. I was a big fan of his. Uh, his stat line, not around that of Bombas. He's averaging about seven a game, five rebounds. Uh, some would say underachieving based on his potential. But uh, what say you as the Magic guy? Jonathan Isaac, I know he's still got a ways to go. He's only 21 years old. We don't want to give up on a guy yet. But uh, does he need to start improving before he loses his job, or is he just – Keeping about where Steve Clifford wants him. You know, I, I think I think that that he is he is where they want him to be right now. Um, you know, I, I, I think a lot of Isaac's improvement and where Isaac is at uh, is is seeing less in the stats stats than when you watch him compared to last year. Um, last year he was pretty timid, just trying to fit in. Again, the Magic didn't give him a lot. Um, they just kind of wanted him to get experience. Um, this year, you can see that he's a lot more confident, that he's willing to take shots that, that he wasn't willing to take last year, um, that he's willing to make a simple attack to the basket and, and, get, and, and, and make things happen. I mean, you know, they're not asking him to be a, a creator or playmaker yet um, but, or, or an isolation guy, but, but he's shown the ability to make smart plays and play within the offense, and I think that's really all the Magic want him to do. Defensively, he's still a difference maker for the team. Um, he, he gets a lot of deflections. He knows where to be on the floor. Uh, and, and that's that's a huge thing. And, you know, right now, unfortunately with the Magic, it's once again about keeping him healthy. He sprained his ankle um, about a week, uh, a little bit more than a week ago now. He's missed the last five games. Um, they're hoping that he'll be back soon. And I think the sooner he gets back, the better it will be for the Magic um, because he does make this team better. So the Magic moving forward, um, 
of course, you know, we're early on in the season. Don't want to speculate after the first, you know, 14 games where we think a team is headed or or what to expect out of them. But I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there anyway. What do you expect after 14 games here in the season from this Magic squad from what you've seen so far? Yeah, you know, I think I think they're they're better than than what I thought they they would be this year. You know, they're they're willing to uh, they've shown some they've shown plenty of willingness to get what Steve Clifford is is trying to teach them and and play defense at the level that he needs to play. It's not consistent yet, and so they're going to have to continue to improve and get better. Uh, and there's, of course, a long way to go to, to get there and to, and to be the team that they, that they want to be. And so it's, it's still very hard to predict whether they'll meet or surpass expectations. You know, is this a playoff team? Probably not. I'm not, I'm not willing to say that. You know, I, I think that they'll stay in the hunt longer than people expect. I mean, I think we'll probably – you know, pick our heads up at the all-star break and see Orlando maybe two or three, maybe four games out of the playoffs and think, huh, you know, that, that, that's an interesting team. I didn't expect Orlando to be there. And, and so, you know, they're probably looking at a, you know, 30, you know, mid 30 win season, uh, you know, and just missing the playoffs maybe by a few games. And, and I think honestly for, for a franchise that hasn't played meaningful games in February or March in, in six years, um, that, that, that would be a good place to be for, for this group as, as, a, as a sign of growth, if not, if not the actual growth that they want to get. Oh yeah, you can watch this team and notice that they're they're better, honestly, than I expected them to be this year as well. Uh, they've looked good on the court. You know, the big surprising win in Boston. Um, here's another one uh, tomorrow night, uh, as we're taping right now to be t- uh, tonight as you listen. The Magic will be hosting the Philadelphia 76ers and their newly acquired guard Jimmy Butler, who after the trade with the Wolves will officially be available to play for the Sixers. On Wednesday, and TR, my co-host, who's the big Sixers fan, uh, we'll be talking to him about his thoughts on that trade. I've already spoken with Dave Benz from the Minnesota Timberwolves organization about the trade. Um, what, did, what do you expect the Magic are going to have to do to win that game? Because this is Jimmy's first game in a, a Philadelphia uniform, providing he plays. Um, do, they, do they feel a little different going into this game, or do they just kind of approach it as, okay, it's business as usual, let's go out here and do what we do? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've I've kind of been of the frame of mind that the Magic are not a team that can worry so much about what the other team's doing, except for as much as it is with the with the with the game plan. I mean, the Magic need to worry about themselves still, and, and so, you know, if the Magic play defense to the level they're able to play defense, um, and, and you know, they'll they'll give themselves a chance to win the game. Now, Philadelphia is obviously really good. Um, you know, Orlando doesn't really have anyone that can match up with Joel and Embiid, and Orlando already played Philadelphia once this year. And, you know, played them to a one-point game, but it was a little bit of a scramble to, to take the lead late and, 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 and have a chance to win that game. Milano would honestly say that they, that they should have won that game or had the chance to win that game and, and, and let that one get away. Philadelphia made some great plays at the end of that game, but that was really a game Philadelphia controlled throughout. And, and, and so I think Philadelphia is the kind of team that, that will give Orlando a, a little bit of problems. And, you know, if there's one thing working to the Magic's favor, it's maybe – integrating Jimmy Butler is going to lead to some, you know, mishaps and execution or, or just everyone not being on the same page quite yet. And Orlando's got to be ready to take advantage of those. I mean, but a big part of that first game against Philadelphia was Orlando made three pointers. They made shots. And that's something that they've struggled to do a little bit throughout the year. You know, their, their offense has gotten a lot better since, you know, maybe a week, two weeks ago for sure. Um, but they're still one of the worst offenses in the league. They still got a very small margin of error, and it only gets smaller against a team of Philadelphia's caliber. So, so Orlando's got to be on their game. They got to be very attentive to the game plan. And if that's the case, you know they'll have a chance to win this game, win this game. But you know it's it's going to be a big challenge. 
Well, looking forward to that and looking forward to the game after a couple of days off. Uh, the Magic take on the Lakers as they roll into town, and LeBron James visits Amway in Orlando. So we're looking forward to those games to kind of see uh, how this team matches up against some of the top elites in the league, especially with you know Nikola Vucevic, who I think is maybe one of the most underrated players in the league. Uh, I'm going to look forward to see how he, he plays Joel Embiid tomorrow night. I'm going to try and watch some of that game. Uh, I'm looking forward Embiid, to it. Embiid's but fit- had his number, too. Embiid has had his number. It's a big, big challenge for Nikola Vucevic to guard Embiid. And, you know, <laughs> is Bamba, Embiid renting out space has, in his head? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's the case. I think he's running out space in the paint. Um, this, you know, he's just a big, big dude um, that you know, Vucevic has struggled with a little bit. Um, but, you know, Mobamba also has trained with Embiid a little bit. Um, you know, they're, they're training partners with Drew, with Drew Hanlon and his crew. Uh, and Embiid is going is gonna to move Bamba around too. So you know, Embiid's a challenge for any team in the NBA to handle. He's, he's probably the best, one of the best big men in the league for sure. Uh, and so that's that's going to be another. That's going to be a huge challenge for Orlando to try and get him uh, out of the paint, to force him to take jumpers and, and contest those jumpers when he gets them, because uh, um, that, that's going to be a big portion of this game. Yeah, you know, you brought up the uh, the Drew Hanlon aspect. I didn't even think about that. I'm glad you did. That's why you're that's why you're a five time returner, right there, Mister Reich, <laughs> right there. Because you bring up things like that, and we will strive for six. As uh, we hope to have you back sooner rather than later. Uh, let our listeners know where they can find you on the internet and listen to your your awesome podcast and other uh, yeah. writings on the internet. Yeah, absolutely. If you're looking for me in podcast form, uh, you can follow, you can listen to Locked On Magic. You can find that on iTunes. Um, it's a daily podcast covering the Orlando Magic. If writing is more your thing, you can check me out at orlandomagicdaily.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter as well at philiprr__omd or at omagicdaily. Well, Phil, thank you so much for getting on, and congratulations. The first five-time visitor on Wide Men Can't Jump. You're the man. We hope to have you back soon. And thanks so much for all your work and everything you do and jumping on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on again, as always. Can't wait to talk to you again, man. Take it easy. No problem. You too. personal injury, automobile accidents, workplace accidents, mesothelioma, social security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, employment discrimination, all these things and more can be helped by new law office. Stephen P. New will fight for you and your rights. Mr. New, what is there to do if you're in an automobile accident? When car wrecks happen, insurance is always involved. Did you know that in West Virginia, We have the highest percentage of uninsured and underinsured motorists driving on our highways. That means that when you're in a car wreck, your attorney needs to know how to work with your insurance company to maximize the compensation that you'll receive. If you've been in a car wreck, call me, Stephen P. New. For your free consultation, call 1-888-692-8084 or visit newlawoffice.com. Stephen P. New will fight for you to get you where you need to be. He's a proud sponsor of our program, and Mr. New is a stand-up national and local attorney. Stephen P. New, attorney at law, answers to your legal questions. Again, thanks to the law offices of Stephen P. New. 
sponsor of the show. It's newlawoffice.com. And thanks to Philip Rossman Wright, the first three-time return or three-time, five-time returner here on Wide Men Can Jump. Jeff Garcia is nipping at his heels, though. He's at four as well. So uh, thank again, Philip, for jumping on. And TR, you're back with me here. Um, I, I don't want to be that guy, but the Orlando Magic pulled out the victory tonight, 111-106 over, over the Sixers. Unreal. I, uh, I had not heard. I was waiting until uh, till you came back. Um, I'd like to see how the last few minutes played out. I can't wait to look what? at the DVR. Wow. Okay, I won't ruin it for you since you have it DVR'd. And I, I should have known you were DVR'd, and I should have shut up and not said a word. But I won't tell you what happened. I'll just uh, I'll let you see it. So Okay. Um, I'll check Check it out there. I won't. Uh, I won't ruin that for you. But um, yeah, so uh, Sixers lose. Just, just, just. Okay. Well, uh, it was one hundred six all. Terrence Ross hits a three pointer to put the Magic up three with about eight seconds to go. And Joel Embiid uh, played pretty decent defense, I thought, but just a big shot from Terrence Ross. Um, why Embiid was out there on the switch, I'll never know. But hey, you know. Anyway. Uh, so then well, on the Brett other Brown end, action maybe, but go ahead. Right. Well, you know, then um, we see on the other end ball inbounded to Simmons who does a handoff to JJ Reddick who comes around the screen and hits the three to tie the game. But Reddick stepped out of bounds with the ball and they reviewed it and he did clearly step out of bounds and that was a turnover. And then Vucevic iced it with a couple free throws. So that was, that was the way mm. the game ended. Owen one in the Jimmy Butler era, and it looks like uh, is, is Minnesota finished yet? No, no, they're just now in the third quarter. Uh, Minnesota is their lead has shrunk. It's seventy six sixty nine, which you assume here in the NBA uh, it's a game of runs. Um, honestly, don't know, don't know if it's gonna if Minnesota will win, but I just like the way they're playing. You know, I can't get mad with the way they're playing. But Butler had fourteen tonight. And he, uh, apparently Reddick turned the ball over on two uh, back-to-back on a back-to-back possession at the end. So uh, Jimmy Butler's probably going to get chew JJ Reddick's ass out and tell the Sixers they can't win without him, even though they haven't won with him yet. But that's Jimmy Butler. So enjoy that ass chewing Reddick in the locker room. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I know. Well, shut I up. mean, what am I going to say? Uh, it's I, I was just by the way you were building up, I thought like. Butler turned the ball over or something. So I wish as long as Ben, as long as dummy Ben Simmons was involved, um, because it, I would assume he was near the uh, out of bounds line when he handed the ball off instead of fucking trying well, to score. He kind of he kind of was near, but uh, it was a design three. He had to get the three because uh, they were down three so late. So can't really say much. Right. By the way, if you get a chance, if you're out there listening. Uh, and you haven't seen it yet, watch the Zion Williamson alley-oop play in the Duke game tonight against Central Michigan. Holy shit, did he get up. Just just check that out. Did he out it again? Good. Yeah, the kid's just amazing. And and Cleveland's chomping at the bit trying to get to him. And he jumped, dude, his head. His head was level with the rim on his jump. It was ridiculous. <laughs> 
I was like, goodness gracious, I've never seen anything like that. So, yeah, he's at it again. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, the first game, it, it seemed to me, in watching Duke against Kentucky, that I would be uh, happy with um, Zion and uh, more happy as far as the scorer with uh, Barrett, but it seems like Zion's, Zion's um, kind of separating himself even from his own his own superstar teammates. It seems like he's he's one. Yeah. He's the number one guy there. Well, one thing I'll tell you, T.R., and I hate to say this about about the Sixers. I hate that they lost. I do for you because I know how much you love the Sixers and and they're you know and all this. But man, it felt good to see Jimmy Butler go somewhere else and get his ass beat. <laughs> hey man, oh, I, I don't blame you. He's a heel, man. He came from your team and kind of disrupted your flow. So you know, enjoy enjoy your night tonight. I, I don't think it's indicative of of the oh, way they'll I play. Either. I I'll have to watch the game on the DVR to see if it's a Brett Brown thing, to see if it's a, you know, they had faults in there a lot and whatnot. Uh, God knows why. Um, but I'll check it out next week uh, if, if yeah. they haven't righted the ship. By, and they also, I mean, I, what do they have, one road win coming into tonight? So And not a lot. They they really struggle on the road, and it's probably not going to get any better. Um but yeah, Butler and Butler, of course, new to the new to the system. They probably dumbed it down a lot for him tonight. He'll, they're going to be a good team. You can't deny that team's going to be good. But it just does my heart good to see him lose. It makes me happy. I'm a I'm a bitter old I'm a bitter dude when it comes to stuff like that. You don't mess with my team. It's like messing with my kid. So I know. <laughs> I know it sounds dumb, but you you you've been there. You know. I know. Well, speaking you. of you, know, we talked. About we talked about Zion Williamson a little bit ago, who's being compared already to LeBron James. The Los Angeles Lakers, they've been quite the enigma this season. They start out rough, then it seemed like they had everything clicking, and now they're just kind of middle of the road out in L.A. And um, nobody really knows what's going on with that team. And LeBron, they're 7-6 they're and six right now in the Western Conference. They're 11th, which is about where they, they finished last season. I believe they finished 11th. So they're they're about where they were. LeBron they've won three in a row, so that's that's big for them. And tonight they got the Trailblazers, and they're obvious. Um, I would assume they're underdogs, but they are playing at home. Uh, I believe actually Portland Portland may be getting points. I think I took the uh, pretty sure I took Portland with the points. Yeah, Portland is getting two two and a half tonight against the Lakers at home. I took Portland, so we'll see how that works out, but. You know, there's been a lot of mystery surrounding the team, especially when it's like a bunch of guys on one-year contracts. There's only a handful of guys guaranteed to be there next year. Uh, some people are saying LeBron James, everyone needs shipped. Uh, I talked to Dave before last last week, and he talked about that. What What are your thoughts on the Lakers so far this season, TR? Just about um, what I figured. I, I really didn't think they were going to have a winning record at this point because, uh, to me, you know, I look at things a little different than most people, as you know. Uh, LeBron is old. LeBron's still LeBron. I'm not taking that away from him. But if Father Time's undefeated, except with that weirdo Tom Brady. Um, so, you know, he, uh, he's he got a bunch of the crazy fucks, like the Lance Stevensons and the Rondos. And he's got a guy who I think um, is better than most people think because his dad was such an asshole in Lonzo Ball. I think uh, with Lonzo Ball, 
healthy and with uh, Josh Hart out of Villanova healthy, uh, underrated player, a real player. Um, I'm not as high on Kuzma and Ingram as, you know, the rest of the world. And, you know, the old dudes are rentals. Um, I'm uh, definitely not high on whatever the fucking guys, uh, Contavious, uh, Montavious the MVP, <laughs> Montavious Porter, whatever it got Pope, whatever Contavious fuck his Caldwell name is. Contavious Caldwell. Yeah, Pope. <laughs> I, I, he, he's the shits to me. I, he's been taught. I think he had an ankle brace where he couldn't play road game. Fuck him. Anyway, um, <laughs> please be true. Guy, I, I hope that's true. The guy ain't even got uh, – he ain't good enough to have three names. Uh, mellow out a little bit with that guy. Everybody's like, oh, Contavious, well, let's fucking pope, and well, let's bring him in. You can have him. Always. <laughs> fucking take him. Uh, but anyway, uh, we laughed at their odds to win it all. And right again, I'll say it now, we're right again. They ain't winning at all. Um, and, uh, you know, they may not make the playoffs. So. You know, unless they get some, you know, people that want to play with LeBron with buyouts and midterm exemptions and all those fancy terms that we don't like to get into here and uh, injuries, shit happens like that during the course of the season. But to me, they're nothing this year. Next year is what they're shooting for as an as an organization. If LeBron still has some gas in the tank next year, we'll talk about them next year. But to me, they're 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 just something to put on late at night because LeBron's in there. You know, they're, they're, they're yeah. not a threat to anybody to me. Yeah, I got to agree with you in some aspects there. Uh, did you, LeBron's defense, there's been videos all over Twitter about it. LeBron just stuck his foot out the other night playing defense. I don't know if anybody saw that. That was that was fun. That was enjoyable. I got a kick out of that. <laughs> uh, they're playing the very surprising Sacramento Kings team. So that one was that was fun. I got a kick out of that. But uh, one guy, uh, our next our next conversation here, uh, talked to a female, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, first female guest we've had on the show, uh, Miss Mirren Fader, who writes for um, Bleacher Report. She did a huge write-up on Brandon Ingram. And this is, TR, this is one of the most in-depth write-ups I've ever seen in terms of a character piece on a player. Especially a guy that everyone is expecting so much out of uh, so far. And I think playing with LeBron, he's only going to get better, maybe, depending on the role he takes. But it's up to him, really. And Mira and I sat down and talked about Brandon Ingram and talked about her research and what she did um, to get this article prepared. Well, hope, she talked with a lot of – go ahead. I hope, I hope she fed him a sandwich or something, that skinny bastard. Well, but anyway. Again, that, that, that's another talk for another time, but – uh, we'll go to that here in just a second. So uh, if you're listening in live, this uh, conversation will carry over into the um, the our after show, uh, but you'll be able to hear it when you download it. Uh, so if you're listening live, we appreciate you, and we hope to you'll stick around and finish the interview out with Mirren, and we'll finish up on the other side, TR. And we're also going to preview what's going on next week here on Wide Men Can't Jump. I already got guests scheduled for next week, so looking forward to that. But uh, we'll go ahead here in just a second, and we'll hear my conversation with Mirren Fader about Brandon Ingram. Uh, that cool with you, TR? Yeah, sounds good, buddy. All right, we'll get there right after this from WowFreeCam.com. I'm too sexy for my love. 
too sexy for my love. Love's going to leave. WowFreeCam.com is the number one cam site on the internet, and they are our gracious sponsors, and we want to invite you to check them out over at WowFreeCam.com. Anything you could imagine and whatever you want is just one click away if you go to WowFreeCam.com. What's some of the things you could check out over on WowFreeCam.com? Motorboat? Play the motorboat? You motorboat son of a bitch, you old sailor, you. Or you could be into... Two chicks at the same time, man. Whatever it is that you're looking up for, WowFreeCam.com will leave you with one reaction and one reaction only. You won't want to miss out all the fun going on at WowFreeCam.com, so be sure to show them some love and go over. Hey, it's in the name. It's all free. Must be 18 or older to access the website, but make sure you get there as quick as you can to check out all the fun going on over at WowFreeCam.com. Again, must be 18 or older to visit. Joining me now is Bleacher Report writer Mirren Fader, who just put up a recent article back in October about Brandon Ingram. Mirren, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great, great. And it's actually nice to hear a woman's voice on this show. Our listeners are probably stunned to hear that. I think you might be our first female uh, caller and reporter. So this is a big honor for us to have you on. Oh, I'm honored. Let's get some more after me. (laughs) Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Uh, really like your contributions you put out. But recently, your big article release that I got to read through was your article on Brandon Ingram. And right now, he's sort of an enigma in the NBA. What exactly led you to write this article? Was there just an assignment, or was this kind of a, you know what, I'm interested in what this kid's going to do for the Lakers? So what what had what led you to write this article? I mean, I think enigma is the perfect word for it. I feel like Brandon Ingram is this person that is so integral to whatever the Lakers become this season, but nobody really knows much about him. So I originally pitched it back in May before we knew that LeBron was coming to L.A., but um, it was reassigned to me by an editor um, in September. So we were all just very curious. Um, who is this guy that everybody is talking about, his physical transformation? How is, how is he going to add more weight? How is he going to become stronger? How is he going to evolve into the perfect sidekick for LeBron? So I really wanted to figure out where is he at right now in this very crucial third season. Yeah, and normally by the third, fourth season is when you start to see what most NBA players become and what they are in the league is by that third and fourth season. And Ingram is already at the center of some controversy after what happened with Chris Paul recently. I know you don't have much on that, but I do want to talk about your article here. Uh, It was a great read, by the way. If anybody, if you haven't read it, look up The Metamorphosis of Brandon Ingram. It was published on October 9, 2018 with Bleacher Report, and this is one of the, I didn't expect this article to be as long as it was, but I enjoyed reading it, and I really learned a lot. You even broke down, you know, where Brandon came from in Kingston, North Carolina, talked about guys like Jerry Stackhouse, Reggie Bullock, who've, both, who've all been in the NBA, so you really went all out on this one. What made you dive so, so deep into this? Is this just how you like to write, or was this, you know, you better get as much as you can out of it? 
Well, I, you know, I appreciate you taking the time to read it. Um, this is definitely my style. This is what I love to do. I think that, you know, we watch players on the court, and sometimes people only analyze what they're doing on that court. But I really believe that everything that somebody is on the court is very much informed by who they are off the court. And so, you know, my goal as a writer, as a long-form writer, is to try to combine the on and the off the court try to get a little bit closer into giving readers information about what somebody is like. Like you'll never be able to know a player from your reporting and your interviewing or even talking to, which is what I do, 20 people close to that subject, but you can give the reader a snapshot. So all those anecdotes about, you know, Brandon Ingram missed his senior prom so he could work out or, you know, he used to, um, he, one game he shot really badly in high school and he stayed in the gym till 1 a.m. I feel like those anecdotes are very important because they're very telling into the work ethic, the grind, the mentality of who this person is now. When you kind of look at somebody and the way that they evolve, it very much um, has to do with these early formative moments. So you'll see them kind of sprinkled throughout the piece to give readers a sense of basically a guy with a lot of ambition, a really high upside, a huge work ethic, but hasn't quite put the pieces all together yet. When I read through this article, you talked about uh, you had a lot of quotes from Mike Krzyzewski. Were you able to talk to Coach K, or were these just kind of quotes that you had heard through the grapevine from other people and you confirmed them, or were you able to actually dive in and talk to Coach K and talk to some of Brandon's coaches and former teammates? Yeah, no, everything in here is my quotes, my reporting. So it's it's very important to, to do that firsthand on the ground reporting. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. I assumed it was, but in the, in this day and age, you can never tell, uh, but you really did put, put a lot of work into this. <laughs> I did. I, I appreciate you, you know, recognizing that. It's long form is hard. Um, you've got a, not just a task about bringing 20, you know, interviews together, but just keeping people's attentions. And um, But I think people want to read about people they're excited about. People are interested in Brandon. They don't really understand why he's so quiet. They don't really understand why he is the way that he is. And I just think that features are a great opportunity to learn more. Yeah, and let's, let's. I'm going to look a little bit closer here at your article as we talk. Uh, Brandon Ingram was the number all, all number two overall pick in the 2016 NBA draft. Um, do you feel he's lived up to that hype thus far? Or do you think he's only scratched the surface? I mean, I think he's only scratched the surface. I mean, I think that his progression is not as quick as others would like him to be. And I think that's the kind of central tension of the piece. I feel like with him, there's like this hourglass and people are constantly checking to see how much sand has, you know, withered down. Um, He is very much still um, a work in progress, but there's really high expectations for him. I mean, I think people think he could be one of the best players in this league in five to 10 years, which is what um, Jerry Stackhouse, one of his mentors told me, um, but no, I don't. I don't think he's quite. And like he said, he he hasn't felt comfortable yet. So you know, the game and all of his on-court attributes, those are going to come. But it really, it's like a feeling. It's a confidence thing, and he's still trying to figure that out. So maybe this is the year. I don't know. Well, he's he's the guy that everyone's looking at, saying it's now or never. And of course, in the off season, uh, all the rumors, all the all the talk was he was going to be included in some package to entice the Spurs to trade Kawhi Leonard to the Lakers. That didn't happen. And to me, that's got to sour the relationship a little bit. How did that affect Brandon Ingram, knowing that this team that took him so high in the draft were willing to kind of just toss him away in order to bring in the flashier player that wants to come to L.A.? 
Well, I think it was a really strange predicament to be in, right? You haven't lived up to your potential, but suddenly you find yourself in trade talks with some of the best players in the game. Uh, that is a very weird feeling. But he definitely told me, and his father really spoke more at length about it. It was, it was a lot of anxiety. He was nervous. He was stressed. Um, he's not a media person, so he doesn't like to log on on Twitter or look at TV. If he sees them talking about him, he turns it off. So that summer was really just a summer of turning off. Whenever people would talk about trade talks, he'd turn it off. He'd get offline. He'd log off. Um, but at the same time, the Lakers did make a commitment to him and said, no, we're not going to trade him, um, at least for now. So I think that felt really good for him to see that, while you know, they still want to invest in me. They're willing to be patient, even though outsiders may not be as patient. How did Brandon feel about because you said this was before LeBron James came to the Lakers in the offseason. How did Brandon feel about the addition of LeBron? Did he see this as, you know, this is a guy that's going to come in and tear the team apart and just put pieces around him that can win a championship? Or did he feel like, okay, this is my chance to learn and play with one of the greatest of all time? Absolutely, it was the latter. He was so excited. Um, Brandon's a student of the game. He has a tremendously high IQ. You see it in his passing ability, but what you really see it is in wanting to be great and study the great. So a bunch of what he does and what I described in the article is he challenges LeBron. He goes against LeBron, but he also studies him. So when finding out that he was going to play with, you know, the greatest player on the planet, he was thrilled. Um, of course, it's hard to play with LeBron. LeBron is incredibly demanding, um, not always easy for young players, but it seems like like from afar, LeBron seems to be very supportive of, of Brandon's development. Um, but I, I think that Brandon wants to be so good so badly that sometimes he, um, like he studies the greats so much, he doesn't even recognize when he makes progress. So I think LeBron is a good person to have around him because he always, always, always wants to try to measure up to the best. We saw in the off season when LeBron went to L.A., uh, he got on Twitter and tagged Brandon Ingram and purposely um, just praised his game and praised his work. Is this something that you think LeBron did because Brandon Ingram needs that motivation, or do you think he was just doing it to show he's a good teammate, or is Brandon Ingram one of those self-motivating kind of guys? We've seen his work ethic. We've seen he can be hard on himself, but is he a guy who can say, you know what, I'm doing good, and I need to keep going down this route? I mean, it's hard to say what you know, LeBron mentioned. He needs people to nurture him and develop him, but he's actually not a guy that listens to, like, needs um, affirmation from others. Um, he talked to me about listening to the voice in his own head and really steering clear of other people's expectations, whether or not those other people think he has lived up to them or not. Um, he is very, even though he's modest and sometimes deals with self-doubt, he is absolutely one of the most confident players I've ever been around. I say confident, not cocky. He's confident. Like, he knows what he brings to the table. So I don't think he needs that from LeBron. I just think that he needs to believe it in himself. He needs to um, cement his own confidence and comfortability on the floor. He's got God-given talent and ability, and he's got this massive wingspan, which you talked about and, and touched on in the article. And, again, if you haven't read it, I do recommend everyone goes and checks it out. Um, he's a seven foot three wingspan, and he's just lanky and long. But the, always the biggest knock on Ingram is he's too skinny and he's not strong enough. What did you see from him in the offseason season? that would make you make the claim of he's working on it, he's getting there. And people got to remember, this is his third year in the league, but he was the one and done at Duke. So he came out early, and he's still relatively young and still growing. 
Right. I think that's always going to be a work in progress for him as far as like the Lancaster, the NBA trainer, um, who's really well known in a couple of um, what Lancaster calls like installments, which are just workouts. Is So, yeah, his body's still developing, but he can better learn to adjust in the air when, you know, they worked with foam rollers. They did a lot of um you know, just body manipulation and timing and, and really forcing yourself to finish with contact because that's the biggest thing. I mean, he he's deceptively strong, but he also really needs to work on the finishing part, and I think that he worked really, really hard on that, among other things. Uh, in your article here, you actually talked to Brandon Ingram's mom, uh, and she actually said, you wouldn't believe this, but Brandon was a fat little boy, a plump little boy, and loved Bojangles' famous chicken and biscuits. And as a man on the show, Wide Men Can't Jump, I, too, love me some Bojangles' chicken and biscuits. But uh, So you got really in touch with Brandon's family, his, his mom. What was that like? I mean, that's, that's really what I love to do. I love to kind of show the human side of it. You know, these people are millionaires and – you know, they're famous and they have cameras in their face, but you know what? They're still mama's boys and they have family. They, they're just like us. They drop our phones and get it replaced all the time. Like Brandon used to do. Um, I, I just, I love including those details because it just really illustrates so much about the person. Um, nobody is just a basketball player. Like these are people first and then they happen to be superstar athletes. So um, I think like if you're going to write a feature about somebody, you can't, just write your opinion you can't just do like a you know oh I I got one quote from him at practice you gotta you gotta grind you gotta do your due diligence you know I think I quoted 17 people in this story not 100% sure on that but I definitely interviewed 21 so um, it, it is not easy being a writer you have to put in the work but I love that work so it's a fun process for me well, early on in his career, he's played against Kevin Durant, and Kevin Durant said, and this is a quote from your article quoting Durant, it's like I'm looking in a mirror, so high praise for Ingram there. And, and Ingram's not shy about playing the what he what is considered the best in the league. Like Durant, he guards Durant. He guards LeBron in practice, according to your article. And how has that made Ingram a better player? It makes him a better player because he's not daunted by the moment. So, you know, if to be to play at this level, you have to literally believe that you're the best player on the floor. So 10 people have to believe that they're the best player on the floor. That's mathematically impossible that all 10 are going to be the best on the floor. But that's what you have to do. And for him, to be the best, you got to go at the best. Um, getting torched by LeBron is a lesson. You just you learn what it takes. He, he had great defense that day. He had perfect coverage, but LeBron is so great that it didn't matter. And I think that for him to keep going against these people, you know, it teaches him the precision with which he has to um, get his shots off. It teaches him how tightly he needs to cover and slide his feet. Um, there's like a million things that can be learned when you go against um, the top people, but not everybody wants that. You know what I mean? A lot of people are content with, you know, making their four mil and sitting on the bench. So and it is true. Not everybody wants to, to have the things that he does and have the ambition that he does. So um, it was really important for me to sort of start the story and end the story with LeBron. Um, the first part going against him, the second part learning from him because um, LeBron is absolutely crucial to uh, Ingram's development. You know, you called Ingram in the article by his nickname, Tiny Dog, and we saw a little Tiny of that dog. the other night. Tiny Dog. When he <laughs> came out 
and was defending his teammates. He ended up getting a four-game suspension in that, and I know we don't have a lot of details about what happened there, but do you think that fits Ingram's personality, him jumping in, throwing fists, defending a teammate, getting in on a scuffle like that? Does that fit the tiny dog, as you called him? Yes and no. No in the sense of you think he's this quiet guy who is barely audible and he's very, like, he's so quiet people think he's sleepy. But, yes, it does fit in the sense of Tiny Dog is not afraid of anyone. He's one of those, like, silent people that are, like, if you push them, they'll go off. Um, so it kind of fit him, but it was it was kind of shocking for me. I mean, I, everyone who read the article that I know um, sent me a text, like, what is this guy doing? But same time he is a consummate teammate he is there for his teammates and I think um right or wrong his teammates definitely respect his willingness to kind of get in the scuffle last night I was watching the uh, Lakers game and Reggie Miller made a point that um this Lakers team while they are young they're also getting used to the fact that they're in the limelight now with LeBron James with Brandon Ingram how has he handled the extra publicity because of LeBron being there? How has he adapted to all these reporters and all these news organizations and being on national TV every night? Has that changed the way that he goes into to practice or into work or to a game, or is he still just trying to keep things as business as usual and stay as laid back as he can? Yeah, it's business and usual, laid back as he can. Brandon's not a person that likes the attention or the spotlight or necessarily um, – seeks it out. Um, His social media, you know, as I talked about in the story, he's not a like, look at me, look at me type of guy. Oh, look what I posted. Look at this. He's he's into fashion, but not because he like wants to show off. He's just like, fashion is a way that I express myself. Um, He's one of those guys that's like, you know what? I'm confident in who I am. I know who I am. I know what I'm about. I just want to handle my business. I don't really need all these other distractions. Um, So yeah, I was amazed I even got an interview with him because he doesn't do a lot of media. There haven't been a definitive Ingram profile. So um, at the same time, like any attention that comes with LeBron is is good for him. Um, I really feel like he is the most intriguing player on that team besides LeBron and maybe even Josh Hart now. But yeah, he's certainly a focus. He doesn't, um, he benefits from the media attention. It's just, it's just not something he seeks out. His points per game average is up to 14 right now. Do you see Ingram really eclipsing his career average, which is sitting at about 12 a game this year? Do you think him playing with LeBron is going to make Brandon Ingram a must-have player for this Lakers team? Or do you think Brandon Ingram has – we may have seen his best days so far with the Lakers? I mean, I definitely don't think we've seen his best days. I think he's still trying to figure out, you know, how do I get my shot with all these other players on the floor? It's not just LeBron, it's Kuz, it's Josh Hart, it's like Lonzo, it's all these different people that have all these skill sets. And he's one of those people that's figuring out like, okay, how many shots am I going to get this game? And how do I get my shots? You know, LeBron drives and there's so much attention that comes to him. He's, you know, Ingram is very much open for that spot up and he's been working on his shot. So I think he's still adjusting. I mean, I can totally see him doing more um last uh actually earlier this year last season in february was his best month um he absolutely exploded he was dominant i think he shot like 50 percent on threes so i definitely think it's early and you know i like to reserve all judgments just kind of see how players feel this all out so yeah i think there's more in the tank for him for sure i'll have to agree with you on that but i just wanted to get your expert opinion since you've been around him so much but uh 
one last thing before you go. Do you have any other articles like this Brandon Ingram article? Do you have anything that you're working on currently that maybe you can kind of give us an inside peek on that you've been working on so far? Well, I can't say specifics, but I'm working on a, a big NFL piece, which I'm excited about. But um, maybe just check out a previous article I did in September. Um, it was a 13-year-old football player who committed suicide um, after suffering a concussion. Um, that was the story I spent the longest time on. I reported it for over three months. Um, that was the hardest story I ever had to write. Um, I feel like it's important. I feel like it's added um, something to this conversation about football, mental health, CTE, and suicide that we haven't talked about, namely children going through these issues. So um, if anybody has any time, I'd appreciate it if they check that one out. Yeah, definitely check out uh, Miran's articles, especially this one on Brandon Ingram. If you're a basketball fan, I know our fans love to dive deep into player profiles, and this is one you're not going to want to miss. We're not going to give too much of the article away. Uh, she talks about his tattoos, talks about his family life, where he grew up, um, what, a what kind of neighborhood that was. Everything that you could ever want to know about Brandon Ingram is here. And, Miran, thank you so much for coming on. And let our listeners know where they can find you and read your articles and keep in touch. Definitely. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm just at Miran Fader on Twitter, and MiranFader.com is my website. Yeah, check that out. And, again, this article about the metamorphosis of Brandon Ingram, that is the title. It is in the October 9th edition of Bleacher Report. Don't miss that. Please read this article. I will tweet it out and share it as soon as I get the chance. And, Miran, thank you so much again for coming on, and we really do hope to have you back soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Again, folks, check out Miran's articles and her work, and we appreciate your time, Miran. Thank you again. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank you. That was my conversation with Mirren Fader from Bleacher Report talking all things Brandon Ingram. Hope you guys enjoyed that, a different look at the game and a different kind of interview. And thanks again to Mirren, and thanks to Phil Brossman-Reich and Dave Benz for being on the show tonight. We want to thank you guys for listening in wherever you're listening from. Again, you can always download the show at iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, Pod Paradise, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, or anywhere you find your favorite podcast, you can go listen there. Uh, thanks to our sponsors, the law offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com, wowfreecam.com, theenclosed.com, where you can use promo code WIDE to save $25 on some lingerie month-to-month orders for your significant other in your life. And again, thanks to Offensive Crayons for their sponsorship tonight as well. We really appreciate all our sponsors. And if you help support our sponsors, they'll support us even more. So support the show by supporting our sponsors. We really do appreciate it. Once again, you can follow me at MMITM Nathan on uh, Twitter. TR's at TR Shock. You can follow us on uh, Twitter at Wide Jump and tweeting a lot lately. Get in contact with the show. You can get in on our Wide Men Can't Jump Facebook group, which is where we post all of our picks. Currently, we're all over 500, so we could be making new money. So get in on that on the Wide Men Can't Jump podcast Facebook group. If you want in, we can add you. It's a secret group on Facebook, but we'll get you in there if you want in bad enough. Just message us. And we'll make sure you're in there. And you can post with us there. We talk about all kinds of stuff, but we're mostly posting picks. 
winners, um, you know, all of us again over 500 picking right now. I think the other night I was at plus 325 dollars. If you played every pick I put out this season so far, so get in there and check it out. Uh, thanks again, everybody, for listening. And unfortunately, uh, Tr I think is he got into some bad cell phone service or something and lost uh, lost service on me. So I'm gonna have to do this outro here myself, which is gonna be weird. But again, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. We got some. We're gonna be talking Milwaukee Bucks next week. I uh, got some guys from Milwaukee area going to be calling in. Hopefully talk to some Philadelphia 76ers, get their take on this trade that's happened. Me and TR will be back, uh, possibly Mr. Tim Dombrova as well. And thanks to everybody for listening, for commenting, and we hope to see you guys again next week. So until next time, this is Nate, and instead of TR, it's me tonight telling you guys, peace. Thanks for listening to this show on the Wide Men Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com slash wide men can't jump. You can download this and any other episode from our network at iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pod Paradise, Google Play, Player FM, and anywhere you find your favorite podcast. This show has been brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com, facebook.com slash makeupkennedy, and wowfreecam.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Wide Jump. You can follow us on Instagram at Wide Men Can't Jump and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Wide Men Can't Jump. Please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Also, rate the show and tell us how we did. If you love us, please give us a five-star rating. Again, thanks for listening to this episode on the Wide Men Radio Network. Tune in, same time, same place, for the Wide Men Radio Network at blogtalkradio.com slash wide men can't jump.